Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice though, they really mean flavor. Like in your face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either, but it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice, anything but subtle. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Tom Petty for you on this Monday morning on a new week. You know, these uh, last couple of Mondays, it's been regular to talk about Jets and Giants victories. Not on this Monday. Both home teams lost yesterday. One at home and one on the road. So no Jet and Giant wins. But a lot to talk about on this Monday morning as we get you going at 603 from the brand-new Bernard McGurk studio, I am Sid Rosenberg. And now, with Election Day just eight days away, and a whole bunch of debates last week, we saw Zeldin and Hochul, that big debate. Even dating back to last Monday, you had DeSantis and Christ down in Florida. Tuesday, again, you had Zeldin and Hochul. You had Fetterman and Oz in the state of Pennsylvania. You had the gubernatorial debate in Michigan, too, last Tuesday. Just last night, my friend Joe Pinion, who will join us this morning coming up at 9.05, he debated Chuck Schumer and got a good win, by the way. So it's getting busy. Eight days away, and the big one, of course, is Zeldin and Hochul, but there are a ton of races that you got to keep your eye on, from Pinion to my friend Tom Sullivan in Queens to my friend Tina Forte uh, out there in uh, Long Island in Queens, I guess, to a whole bunch of others, Mark Malinaro. So here we go. This is our Super Bowl. You know, the, the NFL plays their Super Bowl in February, and it's uh, always a very, very big deal for us here at WABC. This is our Super Bowl coming up in eight days next Tuesday. So we're going to get ready to rock and roll here. Quick shout-out to my friend Jit, listening right now in the car. Daughter's uh, swim practice early in the morning, 6.04. Good morning, Jit. And joining me today, and uh, I would say probably a couple of times this week, and especially 
next Tuesday on that big election day is a guy that just ran for governor himself, did a tremendous job finishing second to Lee Zeldin, beating out guys like Robert Astorino and Harry Wilson. You hear his voice on this station quite a bit, mostly here with me, and that is my dear friend, and that's not an exaggeration, that's a fact, <laughs> Andrew Giuliani. Good morning, Drew. Sid, good morning. It, I hope you had a great weekend. First it was fine. Of all. It, it was, was okay. It wasn't great. It was, it was tough, fine. the Giants lost. Giants I got to tell you, I was expecting yeah. another Giant comeback, which has been so exciting. Well, you did Over text me that. Open. What did I say to you? Not today. Yeah, I know. You yeah. said that. You, yeah. you had a feeling right there. Yeah. I'll did, tell you, the did, Seahawks are a lot better than people think, and I can't believe I'm saying this. With Geno Smith. Geno Smith. With Geno. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Geno time, I guess. The Jets drafted Geno Smith. There was a complete nightmare, and the people forget he went to the Giants. And Eli Manning had this uh, very long consecutive game start streak. 110 games. Yes. And uh, Ben McAdoo elected to bench Eli Manning in a game against the Oakland Raiders. And the quarterback that snapped Eli Manning's streak for the Giants was, in fact, Geno Smith. And then Ben McAdoo got benched yeah, officially. And that, Jerry yeah. Reese. Well, that, that one good they, year. They got fired right after that right game. Right after that. Right yeah. after that yeah. game. Well, he had that one good year, McAdoo. The Giants yep. went to the playoffs and lost to the Packers when Odell Beckham Jr. and all the guys were partying on a yacht the week before. I remember Bernie was uh, saying to me, that's not how you do it. They should be focused. And I said, Bern, uh, there's no way I'm going to blame a yacht trip seven days before the game. <laughs> we do stuff like that. You know, we look for reasons why a team loses rather than every now and then the better team yeah. won. Uh, I'm not sure that's the case with the Seahawks and Giants, although I think it is. Anyway, uh, other than the Giants, it was a good weekend. Today, of course, is Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody. And to all the kids in my neighborhood in Rockaway, if anybody, and I mean this, anybody throws anything at my house or my car I will do to your father worse than what happened to Paul Pelosi last week. <laughs> well, I want to go with so Sid So kids, Rosenberg, beware. But I can't tan that way. You'd think as an Italian I could tan like you, but I just can't. I know. Otherwise, I'd go with you, Sid. You're more of Irish than you are Italian. You know what? My mother is 50% everything else. So I'm 50% Italian and 50% everything, basically. <laughs> yeah. And I got the everything. I got the right. Italian appetite, but I didn't get the Italian skin tone. I wish it was the other way well, around. Well, you look handsome today in your Argyle sweater. I like that well, look. Well, look, look who's talking over. Here. Oh, thank you very much. I, I, do we have any more buttons to spare, though? That's what I got to ask. You look, you look good. It <laughs> thank looks you. Good. It looks I had good. a good back workout yesterday, chest workout on Saturday, <laughs> so I'm feeling pumped these days. But it is Halloween. In fact, my son Gabriel got up at 5.30 this morning. Usually, my beautiful wife, Danielle, wakes him at 6. He got up at 5.30. He was so excited to get dressed up for school. You know, he goes to school in the city. And then when the day is over, gets home about 5, 5.30, we're going to take him trick-or-treating later on. He's still young enough to do that. And he actually dressed today as Christian Bale's character in the movie American Psycho. Well, I'll tell you what. If anybody comes and charges the house like that, just send them right out there. They don't (laughs) want to mess with him. Grace was a little less intimidating. She was a little pumpkin. Oh, that's that's cute. She's going, she's a pumpkin. You know, at 11 months old, I don't know if we're going to take her door to door, but I'm excited to have the kids come and knock on your door. That way she could see what's going on, see all those kids. Well, listen, I I got news for you. I hate hate to burst your bubble. Yeah. But spending the last six years in New York City, mm-hmm. two years down on Hanover Square by Wall Street, Andrew, four years on the Upper West Side, the one holiday that really sucks in New York is Halloween. Because <laughs> you live in an apartment building, yep. so you're not going to go knock on people's doors. So what we had to do, and being serious with us, we'd have to go to Broadway, Columbus, Amsterdam, and the stores gave out candy. Yeah, It was awful. Now I live in a residential community where every house 
is decorated to the T. I mean, I got houses. They have every single Halloween character on the stoop. Yeah. Michael Myers, Jason from Friday the 13th, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy Krueger. Every house has candy, and it's safe, and it's fun. This is one of those spots where if your wife, if Z, ever yeah. saw my community, she would even pressure you more to get out of the city. <laughs> Halloween is awful in the city. Yeah. It's, it's terrible for the well, kids. Especially the last couple of years, right? The last two years, everybody in Manhattan was too afraid to open your door for anything. They still are. Right? They exactly. still are. So, you know, you, so you actually, have to go to the store. Yeah. You go out to Bell Harbor and they're like, hey, you know what? We're not going to forget about our traditions over here. We're going to make correct. sure that we enjoy this for the kids. I mean, I could tell you, Grace was going around on something on Saturday. I went to three Zeldin rallies, including that DeSantis rally on Saturday. But I had about an hour in between where I went back. Grace was actually down at Brookfield Place, and, and there's a big, big Halloween celebration. They had probably 250 kids dressed in all oh, kinds of things. Yeah. And it was great. It was great to see. And Brookfield even for her, Plaza, by the way. I think. Brookfield Plaza. You're yes, probably. Right. Look at you. Yeah. Man, you know even well, Battery I, Park I, City. I live there. You did? I did. Uh, right, right, right after 9-11, Danielle and I were living in Chelsea yes. on 21st and 8th. And we found this beautiful apartment. And I say this all the time. I felt badly saying this, but we took advantage. After 9-11, we rented an apartment in Battery Park yep. that overlooked the water. Perfect view of the Statue of Liberty. Right across the street from the Battery Tunnel. Yep. Gorgeous building. The rents were $4,000. Yeah. But after 9-11, they were finding epidermi on mm-hmm. the air conditioning units. People were running out of there. We got that $4,000 apartment for 1800 bucks a wow. month. Wow. And we lived there for 18 months, so we bought a house in Tenafly, New Jersey. Yeah. So I lived right there by Brookfield Plaza. Yeah. It well, wasn't built yet at that point. Yeah. That was before it was Brookfield Plaza. Yeah. No, it's, it's amazing to see what they've done to the west side, specifically down there. And, and it's, uh, it's a beautiful area. You know, I always say when you walk out, of, out there, you feel like you make a right, you're in the city, which you obviously are. But you make a left, you feel like you're in the suburbs because of Rockefeller Plaza, yeah. Wagner Park, which they're fighting to save right now, as a matter of fact. That's a whole other thing that's going on. Um, but it really is a beautiful area. Grace loves it. You can tell, even at 11 months old, she yeah. loves going on the swing. But and all you know, that it stuff. is for the city. It's a very nice part of the city. Yeah, I'll give you that. Battery Park. Uh, we lived in Fidei also. Danielle yeah. and I down by Hanover Square. Those are nice areas. There's no question. But you're but, in love with Bell Harbor. Uh, I'm just uh, listen. It, it uh, I, I lived in Boca Raton. Mm-hmm. I lived in Tenafly, New Jersey. Living in Bell Harbor. That's living. Those are you have homes. You have front yards. You have backyards. You walk up and down the streets and see people. Uh, you know, there's no homeless, there's no filth, there's no dirt. It's just completely different. I mean, I'm just telling you, um, if Z ever spent some time out by us, well, she you, loves you're the not going to sell Battery she, Park. She loves the beach. So let me ask, it's getting a little colder now. But yeah. During the summer, yeah. how often were you going to the beach? Every day. Every day. Every day. Oh, I mean, you saw my the pitch. I mean, there's yeah. the pitch. I know. <laughs> I mean, but you're naturally like this. Yeah. I have a feeling, you know, February, you wake up on a cold day after it's been, you know, no, no sun for six months, and yeah. you're still beautifully tan. Well, like I am this. tan, not because I'm naturally like that. Like people, somebody <laughs> asked me this weekend, why are you still so tan? And where'd you go? And I said, well, I went to the corner of 56th and 5th because that's where Portofino tanning is, where I went just last Friday. So I am tan all year long, but I'm not going to lie to you. I cheat. I go to a tanning salon once, sometimes twice a week because I'm tanorexic. I'm, I'm terrified of being pale. But uh, anyway, I did go to the beach on Saturday this week. And Wednesday is supposed to be 67 degrees and sunny. I'll be back at the beach. I love it. Uh, you, my friend, were all over, as you just talked about, three different Lee Zeldin rallies. You saw Ron DeSantis speak live. 
let's get uh, right to that. Uh, yeah. I know Zeldin, of course, is is doing a tremendous job. All the polls, he's got all the momentum. Now folks who were saying to me six weeks ago he has no chance of winning, now they think he's going to win. Tell us about your weekend with Lee Zeldin. Well, started off Saturday morning in Staten Island at first early voting event for Zeldin. He had actually come in from Rochester the night before. They had flown in at like 10, 8, 10 p.m., got in real late that night. I think Joe Pinion even drove back, got in at 3 a.m. or something like that. Wow. Uh, 9 a.m., Staten Island early voting rally, right? This is the first day. Now it's the third day today of early voting. Was Frank Morano there? Frank Morano was not there. He's, he's such a I know. You know, he, he's I know. a liberal. Was he's not such, there. He, what about John Tobacco? Was he there? John was not there. John normally is there. And John, I normally see at all the Staten Island not stuff. There. But not there. What about time. Vito Fosella? Vito was not there. Well, Vito what, was what, not there. What was Nicole, Nicole Maliotakis was there. Oh, that's a good one. You had Allison Esposito, the whole future Love lieutenant her. governor. She was on with me on Joe Friday. Pinion. Yep. Mike Tenusis was over there. But Michael Henry. Michael Henry was not there, but Michael was at a couple of the other rallies later in the day. Is he going to beat Letitia James? I think he's got probably, I think he and Zeldin are going to run neck and neck for leading the ticket. I really do. I think it's very close. And I'm very interested to see, and actually this is one thing that Arbiter and Errol Lewis mentioned at the end, they're trying to get a debate between Michael Henry and Letitia James he, for this he, Wednesday. Right, he told she's me she won't him. do it. No, she's yeah. been ducking him. Yeah, she, he texted me actually him. Saturday. In fact, he's going to be on with me tomorrow, Michael yeah. Henry. And he says she won't do it. Funny you mentioned Errol Lewis and Orbiter because uh, I, 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 I don't like giving Errol Lewis credit ever. I think he's a racist. That's a horrible thing to say about somebody, but I really think he is. And I think he's a jerk. But uh, I did give him credit, shows you what kind of adult I am, after the Zeldin-Hokel debate. In fact, I said to Danielle, I really thought that they really made life much tougher on Hokel. Yeah. Uh, starting questions with things like, hey, that paper play scandal you're involved in. I mean, they really did. But you told me in this latest debate with Pinion and Schumer last night, it wasn't exactly the same. Yeah, and I agree with you. I thought they were pretty fair during the Hokel-Zeldin debate. Uh, but I will tell you, they cut off Joe Pinion about two or three different times on points that he was making. And to be honest, here's one of the things that I hate about moderators in debates. I think your opponent should be the one challenging and cutting you off if they don't believe of something he said. It shouldn't be the moderator. The Ever. moderator should be there just in case it gets too much, right? In case in case they're in there and, and just like a boxing match and they're biting each other's ears right there. You know, then you need the Mills <laughs> yeah. Lane to step in and say, hey, Mike, stop biting uh, Vander's ear right there. Right, uh, right. So. They ended up cutting off Joe Pinion a couple of different times on some very important points that he was making, and, and I just kept on saying, hey, look, this is them going back to yeah, normal. That's why you can't trust them. All yeah. right, so you started the day on Staten Island. What was, uh, what was location number two on Saturday? Location number two was Middle Village, Queens. Spectacular rally. Vicky Palladino was out there leading the charge as always. <laughs> you love Vicky Palladino. I love Vicky. Vicky is one of the best. I mean, really, really awesome. I think the most dynamic elected member. Of the New York City what? Council? Oh, absolutely. you got to be quick. Stop well, that now. I am not kidding you. Joanne Vic- Ariola doesn't even like her all that much. Vicky, Vicky, Joanne's my friend. Vicky Palladino <laughs> is, honestly, she is a... Let's put it this way. Yeah. When she ended up introducing the idea of legislation to stop transgender story hour happening in sixth for six for a six and seven and eight-year-olds... Got it like that. She was, she was the first person pushing that, and nobody came to her defense until a few days later. They let her out there to hang. Yeah. And look, Vicky ended up fighting against the machine. She ended up winning a race where she is, was is, primary. Is, is the machine Joanne? What's is that? that? Is that the machine, my friend Joanne? Well, I think at first. And it sounds like it sounds like, jo- yes. it sounds like from what I've heard, Joanne and Vicky have actually 
uh, really buried their hatchet, and yeah. they're actually working together. You don't think so? Yet. No, I mean, no, I you think, have I, the inside intel. No, I mean, on I, this. I think they're working together. Yes. because it's a common. Cl- but there's, there's no way they like each other. Well, I they, mean, they hated each other. I'm not so saying much. the hatchet's buried six feet deep, but maybe it's slightly <laughs> under the surface. You know, okay. maybe it's slightly yeah. under the surface right. right there. All right. But they are, look, they're working together. They realize they're part of a minority of a city council where you have five, mem- five out, of, out of 51 members, or 53 members, I should say, are Republican. You better be able to figure out a way to work together. And uh, when you look at what Vicky Palladino has been pushing, I'm, I'm just a massive fan of her. Okay, I can and, see and I think that. Yeah. And I, I will yeah. tell you this. In terms of the grassroots support that she has, there's nobody that's able to deliver a crowd like Vicky Palladino I can't, in the city. I, 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 you're like so enthusiastic I about her. her. It's, it's crazy. Her. I'm in love. I talk about Bruce love. Springsteen like this. Well, <laughs> Vicky Palladino. Well, I don't know if she can sing like Bruce Springsteen <laughs> well, right there, not, but no. her political yeah. views are far yeah. better. All right, now the uh, the oh, that's for sure. And the third and final stop for a busy Andrew Giuliani on Saturday was was the DeSantis rally outside of the Zeldin headquarters. Now, why do they call it the DeSantis rally? It, it was, was the Zeldin rally. I yeah. just I just yeah. called it the DeSantis rally. Okay. It was a Zeldin. Right. Get out the vote rally, right? First day, end of the first day of early voting. Here's one of the things I want to say about early voting, too, Sid. This is important. When I think about this, there are Republicans that don't want to vote early. When you're going to vote in person, got to get out there and vote as soon as you possibly can. Because let's say Election Day ends up being a rainy day. I believe in voting on Election Day. But when you think about it, if you're going to wait until Election Day, think about it as a football game. If you've got a 60-minute game, we're waiting until the final 10 minutes of the game to put our points on the board. Get out there and vote this week on a nice day. You're going to have some beautiful weather. And then volunteer your time. Try to get more people out there. Make calls. But going back to the DeSantis-Zeldin rally, the Zeldin get-out-the-vote rally, we had about 7,000 people, which, by the way, was organized in about 30 hours. Now, where was this? Long Island? It was in Long Island. Hopog, Long Island. Island. Terrible place. It was wonderful on on Saturday night. But it was great. And and Lee did a spectacular job. I would say even Lee outspoke Ron DeSantis. Yeah, you're not a huge fan, uh, not politics, but of Ron DeSantis's speaking ability. Well, I will tell you this. I think Ron DeSantis, from a case study perspective, has done the best job of any governor in my lifetime in Florida. That's how good he is. I do think probably. <laughs> I mean, who are you comparing him to? Charlie Crist and Rick Scott? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's especially the governors no, in your of, lifetime. Of, of any governor in the country. Oh, in the country. In the country. That's different. I think he's done an incredible job. I agree with and you. I, and I Even better than Andrew Cuomo? Perspective, shockingly enough, I believe that. Shockingly enough. <laughs> you know, every once in a while, people would ask me on the campaign, oh, my God, Andrew Cuomo. They'd forget. They'd do a slip of the tongue instead of Andrew Giuliani right there. And oh, I'd say, boy. the difference between Andrew Cuomo and Andrew Giuliani is you're going to see my hands at all times. <laughs> <laughs> and Andrew Cuomo's, you're not going to see his hands. Right, That's least. one of the things I wanted yeah. Lee to get to, to on Kathy Hochul there. Kathy Hochul, a couple of different times during debates, used to suggest that she was Andrew Cuomo's right hand. Well, that's a misbehaving right hand, if you think about it. Oh, that's that true, right yes. Was. Yeah, we had that discussion at home, and my wife made the point that he did a good job of staying away from yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. She kept injecting, injecting people like Donald Trump and yeah. others. She liked the fact that uh, he kept it between him and her yeah. and didn't need to bash Andrew Cuomo to get his point across, but... I'm more with you. I'd like to see that go after. <laughs> 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. It's a Monday. That means Rich Lowry, National Review. He's always great on a Monday. He'll be here at 740. There are rumors that once again, Don Imus' sidekick, our good buddy Charles McCord, will stop by again. 
8 o'clock uh, today. Also coming up at 9.05, the aforementioned Joe Pinion, who had a great debate, a win, according to Andrew, against Chuck Schumer last night. Abraham Hamra coming up at 9.20. He's part of a massive Jewish organization. First it was Kanye West. Now there's Kyrie Irving. I'll get to him in a little bit, too. I don't like him at all. So a big show about to come your way. It's Sid Rosenberg and Andrew Giuliani. Eight days away from Election Day and on a Monday and a happy Halloween. Keep it right here. Talk Radio 77 WABC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Twenty-seven on your Monday morning, the great Warren Zevon, Werewolves of London, on this Halloween Monday. Gabe is going trick or treating today. I imagine so is uh, Grace Giuliani, and uh, uh, I'll say it again. I'm going to say this all morning long. Any of your punk kids come anywhere near my house or my car, and uh, it's going to be a Paul Pelosi moment again. I'm just telling you right now. For the father, not for the kid, of course. Lou, you and I, we might have to put a uh, put a little uh, incentive on this. Imagine the kids. You know, <laughs> we're gonna put a little incentive on this today. Hey, what did sounds you, exciting. What did you get at the Rosenbergs? <laughs> <laughs> they threw hammers at us. A beating. <laughs> a beating. No, just be nice. Come to. We got plenty of candy. We're very welcoming what people. What kind of candy? What kind of candy you got? I don't know. Danielle went to Stop and Shop. Uh, we used to go to Gristini's, of course, but we moved out of the city. I'm sorry, John and uh, Joe Parisi. And she bought bags and bags of. All kinds of chocolate, I guess. Yeah. Twix bars, Hershey bars, M and M's. I like the chocolate. I'm a chocolate guy. Yeah, the but milk mostly duds. chocolate. Yeah. Milk, uh, uh, no milk duds. I do no? love milk duds too. I was a, yeah. Milk I like duds. Whoppers also, but uh, I, I don't. You know, I don't. I don't love the Whopper. You don't love, love them. I love no. the Raisinets, the milk duds, the Twix. Well, I like the uh, the uh, not the raisin. I do love Raisinets, yeah. and I do like the Goobers also. But I like the Reese's Pieces. I like too. Yeah. So, so my issue. <laughs> she bought this candy like three weeks ago, and half the bags are gone because I keep eating them. She put them in the. In in my closet in the bedroom, 
and I'm walking out with Kid Cats all over my face. She's like, did you have something? I go, no. It's like Kid Cats all over my face. Why is there tanning lotion in my bag? That's a weird house. So my whole neighborhood went nuts. My, my neighbor across the street, the great Louis, the Jet Louis Gampero, had this huge Halloween party Saturday night. And um, I've, I've said this for years, and Bernard agreed. Uh, you know, even though we said, well, you want to have fun, that's fine. But adults who dress up and go to parties, I just think you look stupid. Yeah, I, I do. just I can't get so into it. So stupid. I know, I know. I, I, can't, I, my, my, I, I said I would go, but I didn't go. I so. can't do it. I, you know, they, they, uh, my wife wanted me to go as something this year. So what I did was I took my grandfather's flight jacket and had the jeans on. Like and, Tom and Cruise? In there, Tom. But, I, but yeah. I didn't do it, actually. We came back so late. From the uh, from the Zeldin DeSantis rally that uh, I just ended up going as myself, which is like a sleazy politician. I think I was able to sell it pretty well. <laughs> My good buddy Joseph Nunziata, the king of Williamsburg. That's an easy one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was easy. My wife was like, wow, you're so good at this. <laughs> he dressed as a construction worker last night, and his uh, wife, who's very cute, dressed as a cheerleader. And he sent me a picture of them at like 9 o'clock last night. I'm like, first of all, what are you doing out on a Sunday night? And uh, secondly, why? Why? So I didn't go to that party on Saturday. And I imagine there were parties all over the city where you live as well. But uh, my kid will go out there later on today. did mention Paul Pelosi twice already, both in a joking manner. But on a serious note, it's not funny. Yeah. I don't care whether you're a Republican, a Democrat. Uh, nobody has the right to do what that animal did to Pelosi. I don't like Paul Pelosi. It doesn't matter. It was a horrible thing that happened to the poor guy. I'm not sure how serious the hammer attack was, but we could all agree, Republican, Democrat, it doesn't matter. We condemn what happened to Paul Pelosi last week. Yeah, the civil discourse is just absurd on this country. Whatever side of the aisle it's on. I mean, I remember being in the White House when the congressional baseball game shooting ended up happening. Steve, Steve Scalise. Scalise. Exactly. And, and by the way, the, the guy that shot Steve Scalise, it is worth pointing out, was a Bernie Sanders supporter. So, so this is happening on both sides where you're getting radical people that are just, you know, getting crazy on this stuff. And, and so nobody deserves to be attacked, whether it's shot or uh, via hammer right there yeah. in the head, uh, just because of your political ideas on this. And so we just, you know, this needs to stop. It needs to stop. Uh, the president, Joe Biden, he did speak on this. And this is fun for these guys. I mean, I hate to say this, and I would come off lousy when I do say stuff like this, but I really believe that people like Biden and Harris, they love this type of stuff. I think a campaign will look at it as an opportunity to be perfect. Of course. Of that's, course. That's one of the things. They I mean, don't care if Pelosi dies. They, they want to be able to point out, look at these Republican animals. Donald Trump must have said something two years ago that had this guy do what he did. Well, think about what happened with Kavanaugh a couple of weeks, a couple of months back, right, where they ended up having death, threat, death threats against him and going to his house. Yes. Where he's got young kids. But. Biden or Harris, I didn't hear him say anything about that. Well, no, and they were forced to talk about it, yes. and they still didn't condemn it. Yep. In fact, it was Jen Psaki yeah. who was in, uh, really in charge back then, not Corrine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary. And she was like, hey, that's your American right. You have a right to go out there and not in front of a, a, a Supreme Court justice's house, Jen. Anyway, here is the president, cut uh, number eight, Lewis, Joe Biden, on the Paul Pelosi attack. It's one thing to condemn the violence. But you can't condemn the violence unless you condemn those people who continue to argue the election was not real, See? that it's being stolen, <laughs> that all the, all the malarkey that's being malarkey. put out there yeah. undermine democracy. Right. So you mean Stacey Abrams. Right. She the did election it. was not stolen, right? She did I mean, that's Stacey yeah. Abrams. Yeah. So. He wasn't the only one. His vice president, this moron who was still gushing over yellow school buses, this is a cut number nine, Kamala Harris. She followed up after Joe Biden. 
I did talk with Speaker Pelosi this morning, and um, I mean, this was an act of extreme violence, and I think we're looking at a, at a time in our country where there is so much discourse that is fueled by hate and division. And anyone who professes to be a leader, I think, has to really understand the, the, the meaning and the, and the impact of their words and their posture on things like this. So Andrea Mitchell, who used to be a good friend of all of ours, Lewis, in the good old days when Imus was at MSNBC, Andrea was on quite a bit. She was married to, uh, still is, I guess, Alan Greenspan. Greenspan. Yeah. And really a nice person. She was such a nice person every time when I talked with her. She I was always very nice, she but was. she's gone completely batty. I mean, even worse than Mike Bornicle, if that's possible, <laughs> worse than Chris Matthews, worse than all these folks. And she talked about this, and somehow or another, she tied this suspect to January 6th. Here's how she did that. Lewis, this is Andrea Mitchell, cut number 13. The intruder confronted Mr. Pelosi in their home, shouting, where is Nancy? Where is Nancy? Debbie Dingell, that's what the intruders going through the hallways on January 6th were shouting, Nancy, Nancy. Oh, come on. This is part of the January 6th insurrection (laughs) toxicity that has infected the the brains of people around the country uh, in horrible ways. Now, if the, this is accurate. So the, the common nitwit moron watching TV and listening in America says, well, she's right. She's right. January 6th. Here we go again. There is nothing, nothing to tie this attack, which, again, Sid Rosenberg condemns, Andrew Giuliani condemns, Donald Trump condemns, Ron DeSantis condemns, Lee Zeldin contempt. We all do. There is nothing to tie it, yet they're going to go with that. And the common nitwit in the United States, Andrew they're going to buy it. Well, the good news is there aren't too many people that are watching MSNBC. You could just look at the numbers, and the data does not lie about that right there. But I wonder if January 6th is an adjective they use if, let's say, they get a bad egg sandwich or something like that, and they say, well, it's because the guy actually believes in January 6th. I mean, it's like everything is January 6th over here. It's unbelievable. It's true. Traffic and sports are coming up next. Right now, it's time for the 77 WABC clip of the day. My man, John Katsimatidis, that great Sunday morning show at 8, the Cats Round 10. Table. There he tells both sides of the story. Here, John talks with former Governor David Patterson about the upcoming midterm elections. The election. What the heck is going on in in New York City, New York State, and Governor Patterson? What say you? They had a debate this week. People are not just listening to what your feelings are about the issues. They're also listening to how you express yourself about them. And after making a very good opening statement, I thought that Congressman Zeldin just continued to be shrill and sort of like the Energizer Bunny. And I think that most people, when they go to vote, particularly in the executive races, like for governor or mayor or president of the United States, people really uh, admire the leadership. And I didn't think he brought it to the table. Oh, stop it. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Yes, brought to you by our dear friend Pete Morgan, Peerless Boilers. Check them out, peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com. They do build America's best boilers. It's becoming almost regular Monday mornings to talk about both local football teams winning on this Monday morning 
Neither got it done. Here's Justin Ellick with the latest. Yeah, well, thank you, Sydney. Yeah, both New York football teams did take losses yesterday. A bit of a step back, I guess you could say. Both the Jets and Giants do suffer losses in their Week 8 matchups. Jets, they fell at home to the Patriots 22-17 to after quarterback Zach Wilson coughed up three costly interceptions. Devin McCourty brought in two of those three picks. And the right foot of Nick Folk was good for five field goals on the day as New England caps the Jets' winning streak at four games. Here was head coach Robert Salo following the game on his young quarterback's performance. We got faith in uh, NZ. Um, he's played good football. He's been, he's taken care of the football uh, since he's gotten back, and he's shown uh, flashes of good football. So um, everyone in the locker room is back. With the loss, the Jets now sit at 5-3 and three overall, good for a tie of second place in the AFC East. And now for the G-Men, who were in Seattle to take on a surprisingly good Seahawks team. They saw their four-game win streak reach its end as well, losing 27-13 to 13 to move to 6-2 and two on the year. Seattle's plan was simple. you got to contain Saquon Barkley, and that worked. Big Blue star back was held to a season-low 53 yards on 20 carries. And the Giants head into the bye week in a tie for second place in the NFC East after Philadelphia won to remain undefeated. And you and- have no voice because you uh, like a child went to the Eagles yeah. game no, against the Steelers yeah. and yelled and screamed when you know you got to be on radio the next day. Yeah. What kind of idiot are yeah. you? Yeah. He's an Eagles fan. I, I got mean, that's just, I don't they, don't, they can't contain themselves. No, Angel's starts. right. Eagle fans are just stupid can't. by nature. I, 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 I had to repeatedly apologize to the people sitting in front of me because I kept spitting on them. Ay, ay, ay. It was See, when I go to sporting events, I actually don't. I won't talk because I know I'm going to sound like this the next morning. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, it was, was it, it was worth it. I totally worth it. Hundred percent. <laughs> <laughs> they, they wouldn't have won the game if he didn't give no. his all You're right. yesterday no, with his voice. That's exactly. right. Jalen Hurts couldn't wait for you to scream. No, no, no. He couldn't. <laughs> and he could hear me. He could hear me. I was screaming loud enough. So I got you, Justin. All good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, the uh, the Knicks, they lose in Cleveland 121-108. Uh, to uh, they'll uh, look to rebound on Wednesday night at home against the Atlanta Hawks. Nets will be back in action at home against the Pacers tonight. Tip-off set for 7.30. And on the ice, of course, the first-place Devils wipe the floor with the Columbus Blue Jackets to the tune of a 7-1 shellacking. And the Rangers, they grab a couple points as well with a 3-2 win on the road in Arizona. Here with your uh, bottom-of-the-hour sports update, I'm Justin Alec on 77 WABC. I want to rock! Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I want to thank all of you here for including bipartisan elected officials like Representative Governor, Senator Braun, Senator Booker, Representative Jackie, are you here? Oh, no, no. Where's Jackie? Oh, she's dead. I don't yeah. think she was, she was going to be here. She's dead. Jackie has left the building. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight when my monster from its slab began to rise and suddenly to my surprise I guess you got to do this song. It's Halloween, the Monster Mash. This is one of those you just got to do it, Lewis. I know you hate it. I know you hate it. Now, why do you hate it so much? I don't hate it at all. Yes, you do. No, I don't. You, uh, Lou? I love it as much as dressing up for Halloween. I, love that. I think that's really So you don't cool. like any of the real traditions. They, they, they annoy you, all of them. Back, it's, of kids, fine. It's I totally fine agree. Kids. kids, it's great. I mean, hey, adults dressing up as, hey, I'm stupid. A, hey, I'm a bear. Oh, I'm a ghost. Ah, stupid. They get all coked up and so drunk dumb. and stop banging their neighbor and dressed as Fred Flintstone. I mean, grow up. <laughs> Join 77 WABC and Ramsey Mazda as we honor law enforcement officers across the nation. This is a huge day. We do it every year and are proud to be a part of this. It comes up this Thursday, November the 3rd. That's my sister Ray Sherry's birthday. This Thursday, November the 3rd, with special guests and commentary. 77 WABC and Ramsey Mazda. Back to Blue comes up on Thursday, November 3rd. 
Peter King, the great congressman, he's on every Wednesday. You just heard him do a uh, spot for Garbarino. He was all over the New York Post yesterday, and they're giving Peter King a lot of credit for the Lee Zeldin stuff, which is great. I love Peter. But uh, he was just talking up Andrew Garbarino and uh, my co-host today, my dear friend Andrew Giuliani. He hates Andrew Garbarino. I don't so. hate or Andrew Garbarino. I, I just like Rob Carnicelli a little more. That's but, all. Uh, but why is that? Why? Why? Well, I think Rob's a guy who served this country great. I think uh, I've gotten to know him over, over the time that I was on the campaign trail. And I think he'd be a guy who'd go in there and he'd fight for the right reasons down in, in, uh, in D.C. Well, why do you think Garbarino would do that, though? Uh, there are a couple of questionable votes that I have about Garbarino, okay. and, and that's and that's that's kind of why I looked at Cornicelli. But uh, he was kind of a guy who I got to know a little yeah. bit over the course of time, and and I think that uh, Rob Cornicelli's a good guy. That's all it is. No, no, that's, listen, that's I liked him too. Him. I, I met that's him at the Yankee game months ago with Jen Delandro and uh, me and Danielle. I had no idea who he was. Yeah. He walked over, introduced himself, said I'm running against Garbarino. Yeah. Uh, talked about his military history. Yeah. He was on the show with me and Bernard. Bernard liked him, too. Mm-hmm. He's an impressive guy. And, of course, Garbarino used that word, that dirty word, insurrection, yeah. in describing January the 6th. And Peter King has yelled at me a thousand times, Sid, he used one word, stop. Doesn't mean he's not a good politician, but that word, for people like me, Bernie, maybe you, that is a really, really tough spot. Yeah, and the vote to give Nancy Pelosi the authority to actually have this January 6th commission uh, without actually getting to back up with a minority group when you think about what McCarthy. McCarthy could not ultimately appoint uh, any Republicans that he chose to the January 6th committee. Then all of a sudden the minority lost their actual rights to actually cross-examination. Right? You think about Cassidy Hutchinson, all these people that have gotten up there. We haven't actually had any tough questions about them because this has been Nancy Pelosi's group. Yeah, of course they put on Liz Cheney and Kinzinger, but they're probably more Democrats than half the Democrats are at this probably, point. Probably. With, I mean, with an R in front. That's nobody nobody hates Donald Trump more than Liz Cheney. Yeah. Not even a Democrat. Yeah, that's right. I mean, please. That's right. Uh, last night, of course, was the big debate, Joe Pinion versus Chuck Schumer. Joe Pinion will join us coming up at 9.05 this morning. It was the only debate Chuck Schumer would allow, as we talked about yeah. earlier. Michael Henry still looking at debate. Letitia James, Attorney General. That may happen on Wednesday. We don't know yet. Henry may be joining me tomorrow. But Pinion did uh, go at it with Schumer last night. We'll get to Andrew Giuliani in a second. He liked Pinion's performance. Here's uh, one cut. They're talking about the border crisis. Joe Pinion specifically up against Chuck Schumer. Lewis, this is cut number 17. Well, let's be very clear. Uh, the mayor of New York City just declared a state of emergency for a migrant crisis. Chuck Schumer spent two years saying was a figment of our imagination. Uh, you deal it with securing the border. Uh, it is not equal level terrain. Some places need a fence. Some places need a wall. Some places need more boots on the ground. But secure it, you must. We need to go back to the stay in Mexico policy. We need to make sure that the asylum process is cleaner, that people don't have to go through such a process that is so convoluted. But more importantly, we need to make sure that there's accountability for people to come. There are four million people waiting in line to come to this country legally. We need to make sure we're not hiring 87,000 IRS agents. Perhaps we should hire some more immigration agents to facilitate those 4 million people coming here, many of whom are joining spouses. So that, to me, is a conscientious conscientious plan to get the job done. I think, again, when you have less people uh, feeling as if that legal line is not going to move, you'll have more people who are unwilling to swim across the Rio Grande uh, because people are taking their life into their hands, pursuing in an American dream. They were told Thank by you, this Mr. president. <laughs> yeah. All right, Joe. And uh, one more here. Joe Pinion finds a way to actually compliment 
and malign Chuck Schumer all in the same comment. This, Lewis, is Tropinion cut number 19. There's, or 18. There's no 19. 18, 18. <laughs> it's 18. That's high. 18. I think it's time for us to do some myth-busting, because he is, in fact, an exceptional politician, one of the best that has ever lived. He's a failed senator. He has failed the people of this state on multiple occasions. <laughs> so he actually goes, to this as yes, okay, that. he's one of the greatest politicians that ever <laughs> lived, but he's a horrible senator. You watched this uh, debate last night, Andrew Giuliani, between Pinion and Schumer. What did you see? I thought Pinion's was one of the best debate performances that I've seen all election cycle. That includes the primary debates. It includes all the general election ones I've seen. I mean, he was on top of the issues. He was giving it to Chuck Schumer. There was one point he said that Chuck Schumer's job is to, uh, is to solve problems, not to have endless su- Saturday, Sunday press conferences. <laughs> I thought it was perfect. Which is right across the street. Which right, that, right? Yeah, I know. It's yeah. right down here. Yeah, it's right Avenue. down here. So, uh, but no, I thought he was, he actually had a real mastery of the issues. I think he actually questioned why, Chuck, for 42 years, you're talking about bringing changes and doing this. Well, why haven't you done it? Why haven't you done it? You have 42 years to do this now. We're not talking about two years or four years. We're talking about, we're talking about, we're talking about 42 years to actually make the changes in New York. And he kept on talking about how he pushed the, uh, he pushed different policies from the Biden administration that he was proud of. And I think Joe was able to really put it out there. Very well. I'm looking forward to talking at 9.05, but I was really, really proud of this performance. Let's talk about his chances of winning, though. Yeah. Uh, Schumer wins every year for a long, long time. Pinion is clearly the better candidate. Yeah. He's certainly on the right side of the issues. We like him. He's been on this show a million times. You liked his uh, debate uh, skill last night. But realistically, realistically... What are the chances that Joe Pinion beats Chuck Schumer well, next it's Tuesday? Tough. It's tough. In a, in a two-to-one Democrat to Republican state, I mean, one of the things— Well, Lee Zeldin's got to deal with that same thing. He does. You think he can win. He does. But think about this. And this is where I think uh, Chuck Schumer, as a masterful politician, uh, Joe is probably right on this. Chuck has every single year gone to all 62 counties, even at his advanced age of 70-whatever, 77, 78 years old. He's still doing that, and and that actually is goodwill that he's getting from all around the state. What does he so talk little, about when he goes? It's there. a little bit tougher. What I don't does he know. Talk he probably about? talks about uh, you know how Millie <laughs> down the block bakes a muffin for him every single time, and I love those muffins from last year. He has his aide write it down and says, "Make sure you mention Millie because she's the Democratic council leader that controls these 250 votes right there." He's a, uh, Joe is absolutely right. He's a very savvy politician. He knows, and that's why he continues to hustle around. And look. He saw what happened to Joe Crowley in 2018. Now, I know that's a primary, and that's AOC, and it's a little bit of a different beast right there. But he's continued to hustle. Uh, But that being said, just because he's a good politician does not mean he served the people of New York well. He has not. Joe Pinion pointed it out time after time on the campaign trail. He did it again last night. I was really proud of my friend, and I hope he's able to make this thing a really tight race. Because I'll tell you what, if he's able to make it a tight race, then you're talking about a Governor Lee Zeldin. You're talking about Attorney General Michael Henry. And, hey, look, you know, who knows? Buster Douglas Douglas dropped Mike Tyson. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Uh, Andrew Giuliani, of course, 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. Don't forget, it's Monday. That means Rich Lowry, National Review, will be here at 740. He's always great on a Monday morning. The rumor is Charles McCord will be back coming up at 8. That is a huge guest. As Andrew just pointed out, our friend Joe Pinion, fresh off the debate last night, set to join us at 9.05. Abraham Hamra coming up at 9.20. First you had Kanye West. Now you've got Kyrie Irving. 
what is going on with the attack on Jews all across this country. All that and more. Sid and Andrew Giuliani on this Monday morning, eight days before the midterms and, of course, on Halloween. And we'll be back right after this. Now the monster mash And it's a graveyard smash It's caught on in a flash It's now the monster mash Now everything's cool, Jack's a part of the band And my monster mash is the hit of the land For you, the living, this mash was meant to We're doing live! Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Listener, Cheryl Vendita requested this. It's a sin by the Pet Shop Boys on this Halloween Monday morning. So that's our Casey Kasem long distance dedication to Cheryl. Pet Shop Boys, it's a sin. It is Halloween 706 on your Monday morning. Also, eight days away from uh, midterm Tuesday, election day Tuesday. Andrew Giuliani. Kind enough to sit in with me today. And we did cover a lot of the midterm stuff in that first hour. Joe Pinion, Lee Zeldin. Andrew was on uh, on the road, three different rallies with Zeldin on Saturday. We did the Paul Pelosi stuff too. But there is a sports story I have to get to, which uh, really drew my ire this weekend so much that I was compelled to tweet on Sunday morning, which uh, I'm more excited to do now that Elon Musk actually owns Twitter. But I did tweet about this uh, Kyrie Irving, who I did call garbage on Twitter yesterday. That's a tough word. Danielle gets upset. Don't call people garbage. But he's garbage. For three years in Brooklyn, he's been garbage. He was garbage before that in Boston, in Cleveland. He's been one headache for three years. Now, a headache isn't necessarily garbage. Garbage becomes a tough word when, in fact, you double down on anti-Semitic remarks And let me ask you this, Kyrie. You know, you're in New York. You're in Brooklyn. It'd be one thing if you're playing for the Memphis Grizzlies. Even there, I wouldn't understand it. But the Jewish population in Brooklyn, my dear friend Heshi Organbaum, for example, he's got season tickets to the Nets. The Jewish population in Brooklyn, the amount of Jews that go to these games in Brooklyn, here in New York, 
the biggest Jewish population anywhere in the, in the country, if you were going to be an anti-Semite, if you were going to say or think something that hateful, why would you ever, ever say it? in a state like New York, and in a borough like Brooklyn? You know, it's a good question. And you have to imagine that all those season ticket holders, they're probably making a lot of calls to the front office I right would now. think so. I would and hope so. And that's why I ended up putting out that statement as hard as it was. And, and uh, But you're absolutely right. I mean, look, he's, there's, there's no acceptability for anti-Semitism. And do that in Brooklyn there, uh, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And fans sometimes are stupid. And if the teams win, they find a way to make excuses. But, folks, if you check your standings this morning, you're going to find that the Brooklyn Nets have a record of one win and five losses. Only the Orlando Magic at one in six have a worse record than Brooklyn in all of the East. Now, Durant's put up points. Irving's put up points. He's not necessarily the reason why they're one in five, but... It's often said, I can come in last place without you. The Nets are one in five. They've got a chance to exact revenge on the Pacers who killed them in Indiana on Saturday night in Brooklyn tonight. But if you're not going to win, on top of the fact that you've been a pain in the ass, the whole vaccine issue for two and a half years, and now these anti-Semitic remarks, why would the Nets even consider holding on to Kyrie Irving? Well, I actually was behind him on the vaccine issue in terms of it being his right to do that. I know right, the NBA, right, right. I get that. But you're right. I mean, now this is a distraction, right? And that's and that's ultimately what this is. At this point, well, the, the vaccine thing was a distraction, too. Oh, it was you a may have agreed too. with his I stance. I may have agreed with him. You're right. It was a distraction at this point. Uh, it was. Um, and that's why you're seeing the Nets are, what are they, one and five, one and six? They're, they're playing, you know, ter- terrible basketball, even though you've got – Two of the best players in the game. He is one of the best players in the game, but for some reason, he just, you know, he, he seems to be sucking up all the energy, the oxygen in the room. Yeah, three years now that they've been here and yeah. uh, they're not winning. They got blown out in the first round against the Celtics last year in the playoffs, off to a one of five start this year. People want to blame the head coach, Steve Nash. I would start with uh, the lack of chemistry in people like Kyrie Irving. And again, this is fresh off the heels of Kanye West. So now you've got two African-American men. This is not white supremacists attacking the Jews. You know, Kanye, he was asked uh, what happened and, and where was this remark taken from? Uh, Macedonia Phil, where he talked about the Jewish doctor, Kanye West. Then we'll get back to Kyrie Irving. But what was this it taken was like from? Filming in like a parking lot. Some guy was just like filming him talking. It wasn't like some major news source. And yeah, it, like was, a, it was just another on social media, I think. I think they yeah. put, and I think that's right. Just another Kanye yeah, West rant. It, it rant. made its rounds on Twitter, and it was just like literally. All right, no matter what he says, it does. Let's play it anyway. This is uh, Kanye West number one. Then we'll get back to that louse, Kyrie Irving, Lewis number one. The thing about the red hat that drove me to a point of exhaustion, which was misdiagnosed by a. I'm not going to say what race, what people, uh, doctor, and what hospital, and what media went to. We know I can't say that. It was a Jewish doctor. Oh, no kidding. Of course it was a Jewish doctor. He he held out for about four seconds. (laughs) I wonder wonder if that's how his relationship was with Kim. Hold out for about four seconds. Yeah, exactly. So I just got a text from the aforementioned Heshi Organbaum. He has canceled. His Brooklyn Nets tickets. Yeah. I Congratulations. Think, I think I think the Nets are going to see a lot of that. They should. I think they're going to see a lot of that. I sent a text to my uh, good friend Evan Roberts, who does the afternoon show with Craig Corton at WFAN. I was on their show about three weeks ago. And Evan is like the most famous Brooklyn Nets fan in yeah. the city. You know, he's kind of like your father is to the Yankees. Right. And he's a great kid. <laughs> great kid. And I texted him yesterday. I said, Evan, stand up for my people. 
Be a hero here. Enough with the stupid Brooklyn Nets. We get it. You love the team. But Kyrie Irving's a bad guy. He did not argue. Now, I'm not sure he's going to denounce the Nets and his fandom today on that show, but he did not argue, and Heshi did cancel his tickets. So here's Kyrie Irving. Hey, uh, where's Macedonia, Phil? So Irving put on his Twitter, I guess, or his, or his Instagram, he was um, pumping up this uh, this movie, which the name of the movie is... Hebrews to Negroes wake up black America. And then, of course, he was talking about Alex Jones and Alex Jones talking about this kind of, you know, this black society of people that run the country. And that's often what they say about the Jewish people. So there were two different anti-Semitic tones in this in this one social media by Kyrie Irving. And who's he talking to here now, Phil? It's Nick Fidel from ESPN. Nick Fidel, ESPN. You got to hear this. Certainly, no pun intended. But Alex Jones probably should not be a rabbi. Let's put it that way. I don't think. No, that's just yeah. uh, not not the right guy to get your guidance. From. He's another uh, low life in my in my opinion. He's just a complete low life. Uh, Kyrie Irving here going back and forth with ESPN's Nick Fidel. This is actually very good audio. Uh, Nick Fidel goes at him about anti-Semitic remarks, especially here in Brooklyn, New York, like Mike Vaccaro writes about in today's New York Post. And once again, Kyrie Irving, rebellious, very rebellious, and basically saying, shut up, don't bother me, I say what I want to say. Lewis, Kyrie Irving, cut number two. Kyrie, while we're on the topic of promotion, why did you decide to promote something that Alex Jones said? That was a few weeks ago. I do not stand with Alex Jones' position, narrative, court case that he had with Sandy Hook or any of the kids that felt like they had to relive trauma or parents that had to relive trauma or to be dismissive to all the lives that were lost during that uh, tragic event. My, my post was a post from Alex Jones that he did in the early 90s or late 90s about secret societies in America of occults, and it's true. So... I wasn't identifying with anything of being a campaign, a campaignist for Alex Jones or anything. I was just there to post. And it's funny, and it's actually hilarious, because out of all the things I posted that day, that was the one post that everyone chose to, chose to see. It just goes back to the way our world is and works. I'm not here to complain about it. I just exist. I mean, I just exist. Of course they're complaining, you stupid ass. He's the guy that actually said that about the Sandy Hook kids. He's a guy that just lost a, a, a civil lawsuit upwards of a billion dollars. And when you put his name on your social media, in any context, they're going to talk about that. I mean, Kyrie Irving is not just hateful, but he's such a stupid bastard. And he went to Duke. I know he's only there for one year, but he went, well, you went to school, Andrew. Yeah. You've got to be embarrassed about that. Yeah, that's... Um... You know, they used to say that I uh, devalued the uh, the Duke education when I went there. But, uh, I, don't know if, I don't know if Kyrie's helping Yeah, Kyrie's with, he's with, made it a lot with worse. The last, with the last few days. To now, be this one is honest. even better. This one, Neil, Nick Fidel from ESPN really goes at Kyrie Irving, and Irving wants no part of it. Lewis, Kyrie Irving, cut number three. To follow up on the promotion of the movie and the book. Can you please stop calling it a promotion? What am I promoting? Put it out on your platform. Right. I'm promoting it. Yeah. Do you see me Stupid. doing? Do you see By me in front of the, it out there, the people title? People are going to say that you are. Yeah, I put promoting. it out there, just like you put things out there, right? 
Yeah, but I, okay. I, it's not you put stuff. things out there for a living, right? Right, but my Great. stuff is Great. not so let's move on. filled let's with anti-Semitic Let's stuff. move on. Don't dehumanize me up here. I, I'm, not, I'm not doing I'm that. You're free to post I can what, post whatever I want, so say that and shut it down and move on to the next question. No, but you can't, you stupid. I don't have to understand anything from you. It's not me. Nothing. No people that you're making up, bro. Move on. But by posting what you did. Next question. Anybody Do you guys have any more questions? And they're going to say, you guys have any more questions? Because this is going to be a clip. Beliefs. This is going to be a clip that he's going to marvel at. Is this any more questions? But you're not answering the question. Oh, this, this is another answering your question. Oh my God, let's make another Instagram clip so we could be famous again. Next question. So here's a guy, because he's African American, and that's where this all lies, folks. Because he's African American, if you criticize him, you are quote unquote using his word dehumanizing him he put up something on his social media just so you know folks he's got millions and millions and millions of followers that is called promotion Kyrie you moron and then when you criticize him because he's black you are dehumanizing him anybody else anybody else tired of this in America today or is it just Sid Rosenberg? Yeah, no. Well, what is the premise of this book? I mean, I, I've heard that there's some part of it that talks about uh, that the Jews were slave owners. That that, uh, that, that was basically it, yeah. was that was that kind of the big part of it. Well, there, I'm, there? I'm, I'm not know. even. I mean, I've never read it, nor right. would I. It's garbage, just like Kyrie Irving. But um, that was part of it. Yes. Yeah. Either way, it is. It's been made very, very clear that the book is anti-Semitic. Kyrie hasn't even argued that. Mm-hmm. What he's saying is, I yeah, didn't promote right. he's it. Not, he's not arguing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, probably, I yeah. mean, that's the first place to start. If you ultimately believe that, you should probably say, hey, look, you're actually misinterpreting this, and here's why you're misinterpreting Correct. This. It wasn't so like that, that book. Exactly. What he's saying is, I wasn't promoting anything. Don't tell me what to do. You're a white reporter, and I'm a black man in America. That's what he's yelling about. Yeah. He's not saying, hey, you know, like you're saying, mm-hmm. you, yeah, well, you, it, it's, it's a misconception. Right. It's actually a book that says nice things about the Jews. Because, look, I've seen so much with the media over the last six, seven years that I always like to actually dig in and see, okay, what is this person talking about? Let's actually – and you see it. Okay, well, it actually is anti-Semitic. I, I don't know. I haven't actually done the research on this book to tell you what it is. But the fact that he's not out there defending and saying, no, it's actually not anti-Semitic because of A, because of B, because of C. You're right. It's almost an omission of, of guilt there. It is. The Brooklyn Nets need to do the right thing here. I mean, again, this guy has been one trouble after another. He was like that in Cleveland, never got along with LeBron James. Uh, They got rid of him in Boston, and he's a great player. He's a great player. There's no reason for Kyrie Irving to change his address every couple of years other than he's a cancer in the locker room. And now it's one thing to just be kind of belligerent, like he's always been rebellious, almost militant. But now, to come out and be anti-Semitic in Brooklyn, New York, if you're the Nets, you've got to figure out a way to sever yeah, ties. You've got to get rid of him. Yeah. He's a bum. Yeah. He's a bum. That's the absolute wrong place to do this, too. I mean, you think about it. No, there's no place that's the right place to do this. But in terms of when you think about what the center of basically, you know, could be the wrong place to do this in the NBA, it's Brooklyn. So I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know really who's advising him. But I, I do think that for him, it's important to ultimately look at who's the, the circle around him. And make the right decision. Well, he says, forward. quote, that he's being supported. He says, I've got millions and millions of fans and supporters, and they're right with me. So he has, uh, he's been anything but apologetic, anything but. He continues to double down, talks about dehumanizing him and all the great people he's got around him that don't disagree. Again, Brooklyn Nets, do the right thing. Get rid of this guy. He's a hater. He's a cancer. How anybody could root 
for the Brooklyn Nets. Spend a penny on those tickets. Again, only the Orlando Magic have a worse record in the Eastern Conference than the Brooklyn Nets. And by the way, their ticket prices went up 50% this year. Is that unbelievable? Unreal. Joe Tsai is the owner of that team. He's He's like a Chinese billionaire. What are you paying for? What are you paying for right now? You're, pay, you're paying for one win. One That's win. it. Congratulations. One yeah, there you have it, folks. All right, still to come later on this hour, Rich Lowry, always great on a Monday morning, coming up at 740. National Review. Rumors are that Charles McCord will be back in the 8 o'clock hour today. We'll talk to Joe Pinion at 905. And more on Kanye West and Kyrie Irving with Abraham Hamra. Coming up at 9.20, it's the one-two punch of Andrew Giuliani and Sid Rosenberg. And it's only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Monday, it is Halloween, the third most lucrative day in America after Christmas and Thanksgiving. Much money is spent on treats, costumes, and parties. This is an excellent tradition. Spooky stuff always energizes kids. Classic monsters like Dracula and Frankenstein's monster are excellent. I'm not a big fan of flesh-eating zombies, especially if they run fast. But I do like the blob, the creature from the Black Lagoon, and the old standby Godzilla. I don't like the slasher guys or the sadists with chainsaws. Not for me. When I was a kid, I looked forward to Halloween probably more than Thanksgiving. Christmas topped the list. But Halloween was really, really something that everybody in my Levittown, New York neighborhood, all the kids rallied behind. And the adults in my neighborhood were really nice. They gave out full candy bars, not the little midget candy bars. Snickers, Three Musketeers, on and on. My parents tolerated Halloween I could tell they weren't that thrilled about it. But the bonus was I was out of the house most of the day. Happy Halloween. Enjoy it. Boo. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GobbleLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
The Cult Monday morning, seven twenty-eight. We're probably going to rename the uh, the show. Uh, not probably. We will rename the show this week. It's been um, a rough month since Bernie has passed away. And last week, I thought we um, the station, John Katsimatidis, Margot Katsimatidis, Chad Lopez, Emily Pankow, George, everybody really did a tremendous job. That mass on Wednesday was beautiful. All the speakers, Bill O'Reilly, Peter King, Curtis Sliwa, Bo Deedle, me, all the readers, uh, the Cardinal. It was just a beautiful, beautiful service. Then we had that great lunch afterwards. Andrew, you were there, Andrew yeah. Giuliani, where we presented uh, really John, Carol McGurk, who's in Disney today, with the, uh, the plaques, one of them signed by Donald Trump. And then, of course, we came back here during Greg Kelly's show and they announcing a name in this studio, which it is named now, the Bernard McGurk Studio. And that really finished out three weeks of immense sadness. But that was more of a celebration. And uh, now we come to you live every morning from the Bernard McGurk Studio. I promised Melanie live on this show on Friday, Bernie's beautiful daughter. We would do at least one, maybe two things a year, something for prostate cancer. Yeah. And a run in Long Beach. My wife, Danielle, loves to run. So did Bernie. So we're going to do things to keep his memory alive. But you can't keep calling this the Bernie and Sid show. It hasn't been on the air since July. I mean, it's kind of silly at this point. So I would imagine that if not today, some point this week, we will change the name of the show. But that doesn't mean that Bernie isn't in our hearts forever and always a part of this show's success. Always. Folks, join 77 WABC and Ramsey Majda as we honor law enforcement officers across the nation. That comes up this Thursday, November the 3rd, year three of this. Special guest, great commentary. 77 WABC and Ramsey Majda, back to blue. That comes your way this Thursday, November the 3rd. We talk about a lot of the other debates. Last night was Joe Pinion and Chuck Schumer. Also last night in Georgia. I believe in Atlanta, Stacey Abrams debated Brian Kemp. They're running for governor. Stacey, the election denier Abrams. I'm glad you said that yes. because she is one of those. Yep. For all the, uh, the stuff Republicans take in January 6th, she is exactly that, an election denier. Anyway, she was. Uh, we got this one clip. Macedonia Phil took it because, once again, much like John Fetterman last Tuesday, Fetterman must have said five times, to that audience, how he's all for fracking. I'm all for fracking. And we've got 10, at least 10 examples in the past where John Fetterman talked about no fracking, no fracking. Stacey Abrams did the same exact thing last night in her, in her uh, debate against Brian Kemp, talking about defunding the police. And it sounded like this. I did not say, and nor do I believe in defunding the police. He is lying again. And I've never said that I believe in defunding the police. So yes to some defunding. We have to reallocate resources, so yes. Oops. 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 (laughs) I guess I did say it. So when that happens, 
And most people don't listen to this show, unfortunately. We have a huge audience, number one in New York, but there are so many more Democrats than Republicans who wouldn't listen to this. Mm -hmm. They don't hear that. They don't know that John Fetterman lied on Tuesday, that Stacey Abrams lied last night. Andrew Giuliani, how do we make sure that independent voters, not sure yet eight days away who to vote for, hear these people are lying? Well, I think that's the interesting thing. And watching these debates over the last couple of weeks now, The strategy really on the Democratic side, you know, they talk about politicians spinning all the time. And granted, politicians spin all the time. But I think when you look. Not your father. Well, no, he's. He never did that. He does not spin. Rudy doesn't spin. Actually, sometimes a little too honest. Let's put it that way. (laughs) But but I will say this. when, When you think about what the strategy on the Democratic side is right now, it's not a matter of saying, well, let's, you know, let's paint it a little bit of a different way. It's just completely outright lying. Chuck Schumer did this a few different times yesterday. Same thing happened with Kathy Hochul in her debate. We heard it right now with. Stacey Abrams. I mean, you heard it with Fetterman where he talked about it. As you mentioned, I've, I'm pro-fracking. Pro-fracking. No, you aren't. You're 10 different statements on when you're not. These are absolute lies. And you're right. I think what they're depending on is people are not going to have the time because we have busy lives to actually do the research and say, oh, I saw him on the debate. He said he's pro-fracking, that I'm going to vote for him. And that's it. When he literally has a history of being anti-fracking. And by the way, if he were to become governor the day that he was elected, he'd do everything he would to be against fracking. Same thing with Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams is pro-cop for about the next eight days. And guess what? If she were to get elected, or even if she wasn't to get elected, on November 9th, she'd be defunding the police again. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. No, 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 Lewis. No, no, not if I had a hammer, Lewis. Not if the, Low. I think you're missing the tone on this one here, Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Poor Paul Pelosi, if I had a hammer. He got hammered. Not the way you want to get hammered, of course. I He's think, alive, so we can joke about it. Sid. I don't think you're helping with that no. one. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Halloween, everybody. 744 on your Monday morning and we do put this time aside every Monday for a, not a good guest, a great guest. He's the editor of the National Review, NBC, Politico, his stuff, often syndicated right here because it's so good in the New York Post. And he's also a really dear friend. He is the great Rich Lowry. Uh, Rich, good morning. Happy Monday morning. Hey, what's going on? Say hello to Andrew Giuliani. Hey, Andrew, how's it going? Great to be with you, Rich, as always. Yeah, as always. It, it, for the record, I didn't participate in any of the hammer. Right. Humor. I was just waiting innocently uh, on my phone to join. Oh, fine. <laughs> he didn't die, thank God. Who cares? Uh, I do want to play this for you, though, Joe Biden. And just so you know, I condemn that attack. So does Andrew. So do most decent people. We all condemn that attack. It was terrible. Uh, why it happened, the motivation, we think we know, but we don't know. That didn't stop the Democrats from giving their spin on it. We'll get to that afterwards. But I want to play this for you, Joe, Rich. This is uh, Joe Biden, the president of the United States, just this weekend. And when it's finished, I want you to tell me what's wrong with what he said. Lewis, go ahead. And by the way, if they do, that means not a joke, everybody. That's why we were defeated in, in 2018. When they tried to do, we went to 54 states. Ah, okay. Ah, 54. 54 states. How many states are there in the United States, Rich? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I mean, I mean, come on, day after day after day. Didn't Obama, he, Obama said the same thing. What, are they counting territories or what? I, what I did he really? It. Did Obama say the same thing? He did. Yeah, fifty-four states at some point. Maybe they're counting Puerto Rico or places yeah, like I, that. I don't know. I don't know. Either way, it was another brutal week for Joe Biden. They taught me in civics. I guess. He uh, referred to Kamala Harris last week again on her birthday as the president of the United States. Uh, Just another brutal week, which, Larry, for Joe Biden. He's he's not running for president again. I mean, he's not going to be able to do it as soon as they uh, lose uh, in about a week here. I think he becomes effectively a lame duck, and it's just a question of when everyone, including him, acknowledges the inevitable. He he can't do this, and then they're they're going to have a, a heck of a problem. How do they shove aside, you know, the the first uh, woman um, of of color to to be vice president? And uh, she's obviously terrible, though. And what's what's the Alternative, so it's it's a party that they they're they're looking at at losing Congress and then having a horrible time trying to pick a nominee for twenty four. Now earlier in the show we played a clip of Andrea Mitchell, who I'm sure you agree with all the time, <laughs> Rich, uh, saying that the attack on Paul Pelosi was tied to January sixth. I recently read. Your article, I think, came out yesterday talking about January 6th, not attacking Paul Pelosi. So why is it you disagree with the one and only Andrea Mitchell, who, you know, always seems to be right about her political commentary? Uh, There's there's no evidence of this whatsoever, except for he said, where's Nancy, which which she might have said because he was looking for Nancy Pelosi, not because he was deliberately trying to echo January 6th. And this guy was a disturbed and dangerous man. His family was afraid of him. He had all the signs of paranoid schizophrenia. He believed there's a malevolent fairy, you know, messing with his his life, which is is not a rational belief. His uh, the mother of two of his children, who's in jail for attempting to abduct a 14 year old, says he's certifiably crazy. So this is a guy who's going to fasten on anything. He wasn't radicalized on, on online you know, by, the, by the right. He was someone who believed in conspiracies inherently and believed them from the left you know, and then believed them from the right, and it's just obviously a diseased mind. So it's a real sad thing. We all wish, wish Paul Pelosi the best and his family the best, but th- this is not a, a politicized attack. It's a, it's a random madman. No, they don't think so. And it's very hard to be sympathetic towards Paul, even though, again, he was attacked in a vicious manner, not his fault, when you consider when a guy shows up outside of Kavanaugh's house with a gun Mm -hmm. and Jen Psaki has a chance to say, hey, don't do that, and she didn't do it. And then, of course, when Steve Scalise gets shot, I mean shot, on a baseball field by a Bernie Sanders supporter, I don't remember the Democrats' outcry then. So even though Pelosi is a sympathetic figure here, because of politics, they are so one-sided. It's a joke. Yeah, they they memory hole, all that stuff. And look, I'm opposed to any protest at the the homes of public figures. I think it's inherently threatening and uh, um, has the the risk of going too far. That's why I oppose the the protests in front of the Supreme Court justices' homes. I oppose it when they do it to Chuck Schumer. I oppose it when they do it to local school board members. I would have opposed it if they did it to Nancy Pelosi. It's just wrong. But that's a consistent – I have a consistent belief on that that I'll I'll say no matter what, and they don't. They were happy to have Supreme Court justices threatened, and there was barely a ripple. We talked about it at the time, Sid, barely a ripple when when this nut showed up outside the house of Brett Kavanaugh. No, worse than that. No, there was a ripple because Jen Psaki was asked by Peter Ducey, are you okay with that? And she basically said, hey, that's that guy's right. 
She actually mm-hmm. said that. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. So we are eight short days away from midterms here, Rich. And uh, I, I have to ask, obviously, looking at where everything is in New York right now, in a blue state that's over two to one, Democrat to Republican, the margins are closing. It's going to be a very close election day here. What's your take nationally in terms of where we are from the House to the Senate? What races are you looking at to be the bellwether for what we'll see actually on November 8th? Well, the Senate, the big kahuna is Pennsylvania. Republicans hold Pennsylvania. They're taking the Senate. If they they lose Pennsylvania, it's still possible to take the Senate, but it's a much more of an uphill climb. And all the indications are that uh, Oz is a step ahead now after the disastrous uh, debate for John Fetterman, although there's a set of New York Times polls, I haven't looked at them internally, that, that are really bad for, <laughs> I guess unsurprisingly, really bad for Republicans um, that just, just came out here and they have Fetterman a little bit ahead of Oz. I don't think that's the, the case, but the Republicans hold Pennsylvania, and that map looks really good. And then you know they're going to win 20, 30 seats in the House. And one of the interesting things here, and this plays into to what's happening with Zeldin, is Republicans are actually outperforming in blue states. Those are the districts where they're doing best. Uh, Oregon, California, New York, because all the Republican themes are especially powerful in those states because you've had uh, unipower um, um, government with uh, Democrats having their way on all of this stuff, crime especially, and it's driven people crazy. And that, that's why we're talking about, you know, very plausibly, Zeldin winning. And, and you say very plausibly, but you've been hesitant the last couple of weeks while admitting he's got a chance to say he's going to win I am telling you, he's going to win. Are you still kind of I'm a, on the? I'm a, I'm a fifty-fifty. I'm still I'm 50, more 50, 50. than you. I, but I don't, I don't think you're as crazy as as uh, as I admitted. <laughs> <laughs> well, what has to happen in the I next eight? What has to happen in the next eight days or seven days? Where Rich Lowry comes on with me a week from today, the day before election day, and <laughs> says, "I'm with you. He's going to win." I got one more chance. Um, I, I just need to, to 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 see. I think you know it's a Republican wave. I need to see it build another foot or two because that's what that's what it's going to take to get him over the top. You know, you had Pete King on there, a clip. You know, two million more Democrats or whatever it is in New York State. So that's a lot to overcome. It's a lot to co- overcome in a in a real big Republican year. He's going to overcome it, but but it needs to be big. Yeah. Do you think that? Republicans in blue states are outperforming Republicans in red states because they're actually confronted more with crime, because they're actually seeing these one-party rule, whether it be in California, whether it be in New York, and what it's doing, like literally right in front of their faces day in and day out. Rich, I can tell you, I I take the subway in every morning, and uh, it's like dodging zombies basically out there. I feel like a (laughs) night of the living dead, and not just because it's Halloween today. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's absolutely what's happening. And you know, you're not uh, you're in Ohio, you're in a red state, but you're not you're not dealing with that every day. So it, it has an impact on you. Also, if you're um, a Democrat in a, a Trump district somewhere, you're you're a pretty good Democrat. You're a pretty good politician. You know what you're doing. So it's, it's, so Republicans are finding it's a little harder to dislodge those guys where they're a bunch of vulnerable. Uh, Democrats, again, in Oregon, California, in New York, where people have gotten Democratic governance good and hard and are, are, are sick of it. All right, Rich Lowry, I've gone on my own personal crusade here as a proud Jewish man, originally from Brooklyn, now living in Queens, to do whatever I can to make sure the Brooklyn Nets get rid of Kyrie Irving. I know you're a Yankee fan. I'm not sure what your basketball fandom is. But uh, can you think of uh, any possible way to defend a guy making anti-Semitics anywhere, let alone Brooklyn, New York? Yeah. 
Uh, I can't. I'm not an NBA guy. I've not followed this closely. Um, uh, I would I would say the the only way out is a, a groveling and sincere apology. I guess he tweeted something saying he's an uh, omniist. What's, what's an omniist? <laughs> what, what is that? I don't know what that is. Uh, they make up words. They just Does that make you up. feel better? Yeah. <laughs> no, it makes me feel worse. No, I hate the guy. Uh, but I love you. Another great appearance. And you've got one more appearance the day before Election Day. And we'll see if you change your mind on any of this. I've been working my calculations all week. <laughs> okay, great job, Rich. Thank right. you. Thanks, fellas. All right. There he is, folks. Not Reviews. Rich Lowry does a great job on this show every Monday morning at 740. And, yes, a week from today, he'll be one of the last guests we speak to before the big day coming up next Tuesday. Now eight days away, midterm election day, the governor race, all that election day coming up a week from tomorrow. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. It's me, Sid Rosenberg, and my great friend Andrew Giuliani on this Monday morning right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Happy Halloween, folks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Right here, the Lost Boys with Jason Patrick, Keeper Sutherland, and the uh, the Corey brothers, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. Cry little sister on this Monday Halloween morning, 8.05. Welcome back to the morning show, hour number three. First two hours were great. Special thanks to Rich Lowry and, of course, my partner today, Andrew Giuliani. Talking about uh, Halloween, many called him the Crypt Keeper. And, of course, I'm talking about my former boss, Don Imus. <laughs> you may have heard that once or twice, right, Louis? The, um, 
Crypt Keeper, Tales of the Crypt, the I-Man, maybe? That was a big Bernard joke. That was a big uh, big observation by many, many I-Miss fans. And on this Halloween, we remember I-Miss by once again bringing on the man that made the I-Miss in the morning show great. And uh, Bernard did a terrific job, and so did Bartlett and Kenny and all of them, and Don. But McCord, Charles McCord, was the heart and soul of that show. So we're going to try it again. Here we go. Once again, live from somewhere in the Ozarks on this Monday Halloween morning, the great Charles McCord. Good morning, Chuck. I can't answer that question because uh, national uh, security interests are at stake. (laughs) (laughs) What would you guys do, Charles, if it was Halloween? Let's turn this clock back like 20-something years ago. You're in the WFAN newsroom. You got uh, Imus is there, obviously. Uh, you got Joey DeFazio in the back room. What kind oh of bit God. would you be writing <laughs> today for Imus? Um, uh, probably something for uh, silly uh, Robbie Bartlett to do, one of his characters or something, or something maybe for uh, the greatest single radio the presence that ever existed, Larry Kenny, maybe something for him to do. But uh, maybe a Wilfred Brimley or something about <laughs> stuffing the Halloween turkey in a in a in a manner that uh, well but violated every principle of ethics that you could possibly imagine. So uh, yeah, yeah, probably a Wilfred Brimley, uh, you know, doing doing the oatmeal deal. Wilfred Brimley, that's uh, remember that. Remember that. I do. Yeah, cocoon, all that stuff. So uh, eight days from today, Charles is election day. Midterms, big deal, of course, all these Senate races, specifically uh, talking about Georgia and Pennsylvania, the two big ones, all these gubernatorial races. There's a big one right here in New York with Zeldin and Hochul. And uh, that was always a big day on the IMS show. In fact, about this, Charles, 9-11, believe it or not, on that tragic day, Bernard was not in studio. He was actually on the corner of 96th Street and Broadway for a mayor primary. And many other times he was out in Times Square talking to folks, including one day Rudy Giuliani. So those election days were always huge on the IMS show. Oh, they were. They were. That that 9-11 day, my goodness, that. Well, not just me. It is indelibly imprinted in uh, nearly everybody's uh, mind. You know, I mean that that made new convolutions in your brain. <laughs> um, that uh, that was extraordinary. And and Andrew Giuliani is there with you. To, is he there in the studio? Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting right here with you, Charles. Here, and I got So, what were your recollections of the day? How did you guys cover? September 11th. I always find that fascinating for a show like Imus, where you, you know you're having so much fun in there. There's a lot, of, and then obviously something as, as solemn as that happens. Well, it just was uh, like everybody, people who were monitoring that, and we had a, 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 a screen in there that we could we could monitor the uh, coverage from local TV, and um, you just saw this occur, and. Like everybody else, what was that? Well, that was a light aircraft. That was this. This was nothing bigger than a. And then, well, you know, as as it unfolded, it just um, became so extraordinary and so tragic, so somber. Yeah. And you guys did a great job. I think you stayed on the air that day for like 20 hours. You know, Charles, I remember every specific from that day. In fact, every year on 9 11, 
We play the audio on this show from the exact moment that first plane hit. And believe it or not, the three guys involved in conversation at that exact moment were you, Don, and me. And we were talking about how the night before the Giants lost a Monday night football game to the Denver Broncos. And I was literally making fun of my father, who passed away two years ago. And that first plane hit, and Mark Chernoff was in Bernie's spot because Bernie was on the street, and he's the one who yeah. told us from behind the glass, Charles, that the plane actually hit the World Trade Center. Your recollection is so much finer than mine, but I'm older than Kurt. <laughs> so, as you're well aware, my birthday, Sydney and Andrew, was 1027. Hey, happy birthday. Well, yes, turned 80. Bernie's was 1026. Yep. Mine was 1027. And uh, I officially passed into a condition of uh, extraordinary senility. <laughs> 80 years old. And, but, but the truth is, you're the exact opposite. Year, yes. Sydney, did you, did you hear did. what you just I said? I did say that, 80 yes. 80 years old? <laughs> oh, my God. By the way, if that's the case for you, and uh, it's supposed to be 80 years old, Biden came a little early. Yeah. <laughs> Same thing with Fetterman. I mean, that's true, Charles. When you look at the landscape of politicians today that don't know their names, don't know what office they're actually serving. You at 80, you're like 25 years old. <laughs> I, 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 I fell down the steps going up to the second floor last night. So, I looked, my, I just, so then my question I just, is, are you thinking about running for president of the United States, Charles? As a matter of fact, I am. I, I'm using this opportunity to officially announce. I, I'm, I'm in it, dude, all the way from 2024. Well, on a I'm serious note, though, you, you've been around a long time, Charles. You've seen a lot of presidents come and go. And quite frankly, alongside I have interviewed a bunch of presidents, including Donald Trump. Have you ever seen anything like Joe Biden? Honestly. I, 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 no. <laughs> Short answer. No. I've never seen anything like, like this guy. I've never seen – I have never seen a country fun around on its axis in less than two years to the condition – from the condition that we had on Donald Trump's last day in office – Gasoline two dollars and thirty cents a gallon. Yeah. Generally, dollar eighty-seven in many locations. Uh, energy independence, uh, respected. Or, well, I don't know whether or not respected is the is the word, but at least we had a lot of people sensitized around this planet to what was going on in this country, and nobody, you yeah. know, nobody dare yeah. dare do anything. No. And and now, yeah. Ah, I don't think I don't think we were I don't think we were respected. I think people genuinely were intimidated by Trump because he's so crazy. They had no idea what he was going to do, and and that worked. I mean, I don't remember Charles because you know we were together. Obviously, Don was still on the air when Trump first won. Were you a big Trump supporter back then? I don't remember. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I was. We uh, unbelievably. Um, Don, uh, Don, oh my God, I called him Don. I mean, I have, <laughs> oh my Lord, he's going to come back to grip. <laughs> anyway, uh, Imus and I would occasionally, I don't want to make it sound like we were bosom buddies or anything, but occasionally uh, the Trumpster would invite us up to the tower to, to have uh, 
we would meet him for lunch. And when he was doing some project or something, like he was doing those West Side Rail Yards, if you remember that crap. Yep. And then he had all of this uh, various uh, architectural renderings and everything up in his office he wanted to show us. So we would go up there and we, and we would have a, a lovely uh, a lunch with him on, on occasion. And uh, he would invite us to go out to the, uh, to the U.S. Open and then, you know, be, come into his boxes, seats, and so on. and So, so yeah, I, I, was, I was a Trump supporter. He was a very nice young man, very gracious, and, as you said, crazy. Yeah. But other than <laughs> yeah. not crazy, how about this is a better word? They, they, he, we were respected around the world because— he was unpredictable. That's even better. That's, right. that's a great word. But I, 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 just, I, that's a great, I distinctly remember, though, uh, I just got upset with Trump, maybe because Trump wasn't coming on. And one day he would say, that guy's going to be a great president. And the next day he'd call him blubber titties. And then it got to the point where it got back to Trump that Don was calling him blubber titties. And Trump really did get pissed off. And some people said, wait a second, you don't get it. Imus is a genius. That's his way of telling Republicans he's going to be a great president, but also telling Democrats that he's no good, he's Mr. Blubber Titty. So my question to you is very simple. Was that a genius yeah. move out of Imus, or was Imus just out of his mind? Imus is out of his mind. <laughs> 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 Talk about, in fact, uh, he was the opposite of unpredictability. <laughs> he was predictable and everything. You know what that you know, you know what you were dealing with, and it wasn't wasn't. And and now, Sydney, a few minutes ago, I got up. Here's here's where I am now at eighty. So I get up. Here's what I, my morning routine. Yeah. I first I have to go address my hearing situation. So I get my hearing aids. Okay. I put one one in the left, one in the right. Oh my god. And uh, they. Uh, they announce themselves. They have an internal little <laughs> voice. It's a, it's a that says right ready, oh, oh my god. left ready, oh, okay. and yeah. it's a female voice. Oh God, did I say female? <laughs> I meant it. Was, I, it, it was a. It identifies a as a female. Person capable of of pregnancy and reproducing <laughs> humankind. That's still not. A, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and and then I go into the bathroom and I get my. Uh, Dental appliance out, right? And uh, no. stick it in my mouth. What did that identify? Snaps, as? It snaps in. They're implants. They snap in, and the uppers. Then uh, I find I grope for my glasses, and I put them on. <laughs> uh-huh. And I mean, I don't dress in the morning, Sydney. I I assemble. <laughs> I have more parts than RoboCop oh, for crying God. out loud to get ready to go. <laughs> Well, I guess that's what I've got to look forward to, I guess. But, um, you know, given the deal to stick around to Lady, I'll take all that, I guess, Charles. And at what point do you actually start to enjoy your morning with a cup of coffee, maybe a nice breakfast? I got a cup of coffee. It says, I don't know blank about blank. (laughs) It's it's a famous line from that TV show, uh, Ozark, which I never saw. But I now I I know there's a famous line. I don't know. Uh, it's a curse. Be... It's a curse. Yeah, it's a great show. I, I, I never missed that show. That's uh, Jason Bateman and <laughs> Laura Linney. Yes. It's yes. a great, great show. And you know what it is? It, it basically talks about, Charles, the uh, the drug trade. This is a guy that, you know, he launders money basically as Bateman's character. Yeah. And they deal with drug dealers. And, they, and the show basically uh, tells you that the Ozarks are filled with drugs where you live, Charles. <laughs> It, it, it's true. We have more uh, 
freaking meth factories and cornfields. <laughs> I guarantee you that. So that is true. That is true, actually, Charles. That is not an exaggeration. Oh, no. A lot of a lot of yeah. meth uh, yeah. gets uh, manufactured around. Well, well I got to be honest, Charles. Hills. A lot of us were wondering what you were doing for money if you left Imus. It's obvious. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> How great would that be if Charles McCord was actually the biggest meth dealer in the country? There he is, Charles McCord. <laughs> I mean, oh, I, you had to think God. about it once or twice, no, Chuck? I mean, come on, you're bored Tuesday afternoon. You haven't coffee with a bunch of old men. In walks a big-time meth dealer. Why not? The money's good, right? <laughs> the money the money spins no matter where it comes from. <laughs> ask, ask Joe Biden. He's on a, he doesn't understand that. Where, where is Hunter, by the way? Which one of the 54 states is the Ozarks in, yeah. by the way, too? Which one of the 54? No, no, you mean the 57 states? <laughs> oh, yeah. Obama. Sorry, I'm not, no. I think, you know, that's he a good got, question. He wrong at 54. He did with 57. Are you in Arkansas, Missouri? Where are you? Things. What state are you in? I'm in Arkansas. Arkansas, okay. But yeah, right on the Missouri. I, I look across the lake into Missouri. So are you like a so, big Razorback fan? Do you like get into that type of stuff? Or not really? That's No. 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 I, no. I, I actually, uh-oh, here comes Emma. Emma, I'm going to have to. Oh, dear. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, we'll go to break now. What's, so you can deal what's with Emma, Emma doing? <laughs> Who, who's Emma? Oh, yeah. oh, that's 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 my side order. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, yeah. Emma's Emma's my Boston Terrier. Yeah. Oh, there, okay. okay. I was worried. Yeah, well, there you go. Thought maybe she was the FBI agent that she listened to this and said, oh, we got to go check out Charles McCord here. Uh, Chuck, we're going to keep you on hold. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. More with Charles McCord. Joe Pinion's going to stop by as well. He had a big debate against Chuck Schumer last night. All accounts, including my buddy here, Andrew Giuliani. Joe Pinion got himself an easy victory. Abraham Hamra's going to stop by. What's going on out there, folks? Kanye West. Kyrie Irving, Jewish people are just not safe, not just in Brooklyn, New York, but anywhere around the country. And more. Keep it right here. Sid Rosenberg, Andrew Giuliani coming back on Talk Radio 77 WABC with Chuck McCord. Happy Halloween. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. That was the third question. One, you said two no, questions. I have one more You question. have three questions I have, already. No, no, I have one more question. That's all. How can you have one more? You I said have you have two more. questions. Just hang on, Mr. Tannenhaus. Ch- Charles, have you not have, read the entire you, book yet? No, no, no I haven't read the entire I have, book. It's a wonderful book, but I my have, God. Let me ask one more question. <laughs> That's going to be four. Okay. No. <laughs> I turned your mic off and I'm keeping it off. One other question, Mr. Yeah. Tannenhaus. <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> no, 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 come, please let me. Let me just ask this one more. Charles is a pro. No, he's not. By the way, he just is sick of hearing about this. So, do you think then that Donald has told his brother that he found it, and his brother didn't tell his attorneys that they'd found it, or? Yes, it yeah, seems okay. to have been a lag. That's what the internal memos show. That'll be fine. And the final question. You promised. Yeah. You promised an hour ago, right. almost exactly an yeah. hour ago, right. that you were going to drop this, that there was one more telephone call and two questions to Sam Tannenhaus, and you were going to drop right. Whitaker Chambers' Alger Hiss. I'm just reprising what it happened. Why do we do, 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 do reprise this? Don't reprise anything. <laughs> you said you were going to drop it. Okay, 
Well, drop it then. I find I have I've got You well, haven't. You obviously haven't dropped it. You're still waving the damn books around. <laughs> I understand that. I, Do oh. you understand? You have driven us crazy with this crap. Yes, I'm, We're sick of it. Fine. They're dead. Whitaker Chambers is dead. Alger Hiss is dead. Richard Nixon is dead. I wish I were dead. Stop it. You have one more to that list. Don's dead too. <laughs> At the time, Charles probably wished Don was dead, but uh, he is now. Anyway, that was uh, one of the many, many, many hilarious back and forths with Don Imus and Charles McCord. Good Monday morning, everybody. Happy Halloween. Eight days away from Election Day. Sid Rosenberg, Andrew Giuliani. We've had a great show so far. We'll spend another segment here with Chuck McCord. And um, I got to ask you, Charles, because that was always you know something that uh, you and <laughs> used to go crazy. And it was always the same reactions, typically Alger Hiss and Whitaker Chambers. Were you really that angry? Was that uh, dramatic for the radio? What, what was that whole thing? Because it was brilliant. It was very funny. I was that angry. <laughs> but why? What's the matter with you? Because he wouldn't stop. And now don't you bring it up. Because I still remember that episode awfully clearly, Cindy. <laughs> Good grief. Oh, Don't God. That again. Oh, I know. I'm sorry. Whitaker oh, Chambers. Now, you, hey, know, I... you know, of course, when I got to the show that I had no idea, this is no shock to you, who Whitaker Chambers was. And for that matter, Alger Hiss, I was still stuck on Lima Zilli. And I'm like, how could anybody get so angry about people like this? <laughs> it wasn't the people. It was I. <laughs> attack how are you how'd you come into this well because it's all the it, it's all it's all conservative people oh it's, people i see what you're saying now let me, let me ask you this it, when, when, when you talk ahead. about two guys in their underwear in san francisco of all cities and we've heard the paul pelosi rumors including who may have been in the front seat when he got stopped for a dui are you insinuating that was sex gone bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm insinuating that we have not heard the real details. How about that? <laughs> well, this would have been a great bit because the way you would have written it, Charles, would have been, no question, history of the world. The Hindenburg blew up because Imus was smoking a cigarette after sex. This would have been sex gone bad. There's no question in my mind, right? <laughs> none. Absolutely none. This would have been – this This was a, a, a complete uh, – buffet of humor just 
spread in front of us. Oh, and we God. just go down the table, down the line, picking up this and that hors d'oeuvre. It would have been great. Well, what do you mean would have been? Let's do it then. Write the bit. Hey, uh, you got, get, what do you want to do? It. We can get Rob. We can get Larry. Well, I've got all their numbers right here on speed dial. I got Joey DeFazio. Who do you want? <laughs> so, oh, Joey, bless his heart. I know. He was great, Joey. So are you gearing up, Charles, for the big election? In your home state of Arkansas with our friend, we like this lady very, very much, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Mike's daughter. I, I tell you, I, I, what, a, what a great person. What a, she's just terrific, just lovely. You, you know, we did the show one time, the I-Man and uh, everybody from, from the governor's uh, home here, from Governor Huckabee's home. And so I met uh, the kids uh, Sarah and and uh, I can't, my, my mind's gone. Eighty years old. Remember, <laughs> but we we um, they were such lovely hosts and everything. We had such a great time down there in Little Rock, and uh, so I met her when she was a child, like ten years old, nine years old, or something. It's been a long time. <laughs> I, I had a chance to work but, her in the White House, Charles, and, and honestly, I mean, when you think about what the media actually threw at her, I used to say this too. I actually asked President Trump this the last time I saw him. I said, "Hey, what's your what's your favorite ice cream cone?" By the way, because the media seems to—that's the only tough question they asked Joe Biden, and uh, you know, you can't get any other questions. But when did you stop beating your wife? Type questions. Yeah. So, yeah. right. Sarah did an amazing right. job handling. What that was continually thrown at her yeah. day in she, and day she out. She got yelled out in a restaurant one time. Had to yeah, leave. Yeah, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. Totally uh, unflappable. You talk yeah. about a fighter pilot. Yeah, that is yeah. what you want to see in the cockpit for crying out loud. Is Sarah? Huckabee. Yeah. So who's a more and, famous and uh, Arkansas native? A Little Rock, Arkansas. Bill Clinton. Charles Barkley is uh, from there too, right, Chuck? Who? Yeah, you don't know the history of Arkansas at all. You know nothing about it. <laughs> you, know, you ever hear of Charles Barkley? He played in the NBA, big, fat, black oh, guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, I didn't understand who you I literally remember. Uh, he's I from Alabama. It's my bet, anyway. It's the wrong damn state, anyway. Fine, he's from Alabama. That's fine. <laughs> fine. Clinton, we, we, we were down there in the hotel, and we were in the uh, – this is some executive suite where Bill Clinton uh, had frequented – and Imus and I went all around the room looking behind pictures and everything, <laughs> trying to find clues and stuff that we – because we didn't think that any investigation of anything associated with the Clintons had been extensive or thorough enough. She's bringing the blue light there. That entire place. Lit up. Looking to say, oh, that is funny. No, I know. When Vincent Foster was killed, you guys put that on Bill and Hillary and others. But on a serious note, that, that was – when Imus did that, that whole thing, it wasn't the White House, uh, White House Correspondents' Dinner back then. It was, it was called something different. But when Don went on this absolute tear of Bill and Hillary right in front of him – and by the way, you wrote that speech, Charles, but for some reason I just got vilified. <laughs> I, I deny that. Go ahead. <laughs> but that was kind of the beginning of the end for the I-Man. That was it. Why did he do that? <laughs> it was either the beginning or the end or maybe the thing that launched him. I think it was. That, 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 that did launch him. You're right about that. That, that showed a lot of balls. No, Charles? <laughs> oh, my God. It was, in, it was incredible. Yeah. Oh. What, what did he say? Uh, well, I can't remember. Oh, don't I, even bother with it. Don't, don't repeat it. I have, the, I, I have the script here on file. I'll go, I'll go pull it in a little while. <laughs> so, uh, so listen, man. you've been a joy again. Believe it or not, Charles, that was 36 minutes. That flew by, didn't it? 
What am I getting dumped here? What's the deal? Well, that's it. You got, you got two segments. <laughs> but we want to keep doing this because we laughed more during those 36 minutes than we had the first two hours. So we want you to keep coming back. Yeah, for two hours he's been laughing at me. Now we're finally laughing together. So thank you, Charles. Today's T-shirt, real quick. Yeah. You say, I have to read it upside down. You say, my body, my choice. I say, your student loan, your responsibility. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the day's I like that. I like that. There it is, folks. I like that a lot, Charles McCord. Uh, Charles, you were brilliant again. Let's keep doing this. Please keep coming back. That was a great two segments of radio. We love you very much. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you, Sydney. I really, thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Sid. Continue this symbiosis that you guys have, that you and Bernie had that was so extraordinary. Thank uh, you. All thank you, the Charles. luck in the world. All the success. Keep coming back, Charles. We really love you. That was great. That was a lot yeah. of laughs, Charles. He still got it. He still has he it. He still got it. 80 years old. 80 years old. He sounds like he's 25. Right? I mean, right or wrong. Not, not to blow smoke up the guy's ass. I will ass, tell I mean. you, on, on 9-11... He was unbelievable. He was amazing. He, yeah. he handled everything. Primus was like in and out, but yeah. Charles sat there yeah. as we switched and simulcast four different things yeah. coming at him. Then he gave synopsis of what happened yeah. after each building. You know, when, you, when you think about it, because he got so much credit, Charles, and deservedly so for the humor on that show, he was really a brilliant newsman. A brilliant, I mean, you could talk about Jennings and Broker. Those are TV guys. Charles was on radio. But he was a brilliant newsman, and he was able to write and deliver the news. And like you're talking about, Lou, then actually talk about it, analyze it, break it down. And we needed, we needed Charles McCord's voice badly after that tragedy on 9-11. And uh, even though I has got a lot of the credit, you're right. Charles stepped yeah. up in a big way. Charles. He should have won some, some type of, of, of award, a prize for that coverage. Yep. And he was on for like four days, like all day. Right. We couldn't play commercials for a couple of days. They actually told me, Andrew, stay home. The midday show, which was sports, right. they decided not to air. Yeah. No more sports. I remember Mike Francesa saying in the afternoon, one of those days, one more of these attacks and there'll be no more sports talk radio. Wow. And I stayed home for a week. It was just Imus. Charles and Mike and the Mad Dog. And the thing that's so interesting is sports is what really healed so many people. After here. that, yes. Right? That's the, the Mike Piazza Piazza home run. After the whole time, though. The, the home Piazza run, home the Yankee run. run. Yeah. What Yankee run? They lost to the Diamondbacks. It was a great <laughs> run. No, it was a great <laughs> run. It was. It was. And those dramatic home runs off of Kim with Tino Martinez, Derek Brocious Cheater. Two home runs yeah, that Brocious. year. Two home runs. And that was one of them. And that was right. Good call, Andrew. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. I'm Lou Dobbs. Wall Street wraps up October. Stocks heading toward a winning month. The Fed's November meetings are here. Those stories next. Lou Dobbs here. I want to tell you about the good folks at Lone Star Transfer. They're the industry leader in helping you get out of your timeshare. If you're stuck in one, you don't have to be. For well over a decade, Lone Star has successfully helped over 18,000 owners legally and permanently get out of their timeshare nightmare. Lone Star Transfer is simply the best in the business and with an A-plus rating at the Better Business Bureau and thousands of five-star testimonials their clients want you to know they trust lone star 
They're a family-owned company that has earned a reputation for delivering first-class customer service. They guarantee the release of all liability to your timeshare in writing and in a specific time frame. With rising assessments and maintenance fees, there's never been a better time to get out of your timeshare than now. Call today to receive a free, no-obligation consultation at 844-284-4739. That's 844-284-4739. 4739 or online at LoneStarTransfer.com. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Wall Street wraps up October trading today. Stocks coming off of Friday's rally, securing the fourth straight winning week for the Dow. All three major indexes on pace for a winning month. Pfizer reports third quarter earnings tomorrow. Wall Street forecasting a 12% decline in sales last quarter. COVID-19 vaccine demand steadily declining. Investors are looking to other Pfizer segments for growth. Overall earnings are forecast to decline for Moderna. Wall Street is targeting a 60% decline in earnings per share year over year and like Pfizer, Moderna's COVID vaccine demand is slumping. Moderna reports third quarter results Wednesday. The Fed's November policy meeting starts tomorrow. Investors will, of course, be looking for signals from the Fed that interest rate hikes could slow down before the end of the year. Please join me several times each weekday right here on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. If you had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avvo and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today, 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. I want to rock! Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Everybody wants Natalie Merchant, 10,000 Maniacs. I had such a huge crush on her. I love this song. It is Halloween. Candy, give them what they want. So at my house, I've got Twix and M&M's. And I got all chocolate. I don't have, like, um, you know, any uh, candy stuff. Like, I don't have I don't have uh, Twizzlers. I don't have, um, uh, what are those called? My son likes them. Uh, Skittles. I got all chocolate. Yeah, I'm so. a chocolate guy myself. Yeah, that's what I'm oh. giving out today. So if you yeah. come to my house, that's what you're getting. As I've mentioned a couple of times this morning, you punky kids in Rockaway, if you throw anything at my house and or my car, I'm going to make Paul Pelosi. That's going to look like a children's tale. 
when I'm done with your father. <laughs> so and, don't do it. And Lou is still figuring out the incentive to make sure that we have uh, a good competition. Who's going to have the best arm <laughs> at Sydney Terrace's house? Well, somebody, you know, I've got cameras uh, in my house. You do? My, oh, oh, yes, I've got the whole ADT thing going on. And uh, we saw a bunch of kids. They knocked on my door last yeah. year. There's a name for it. My, my, my son told me. And um, then they threw a, a, a bag of candy at the front door, but it was candy. Okay. Not like Hollywood Nights, like my good friend who comes here once in a while, Robert Wool, who lit up a bag of feces at the front door. <laughs> this was actually candy, but it still scared the hell out of me. So uh, just, just please, uh, you, you, and not with the eggs and the shaving cream. I mean, it's so stupid. It's <laughs> why they they break the glass. You know, they broke like uh, two uh, the glass at the bus stop, Lewis. 129 and 116, they broke the glass. Yeah, I'm sure. Why do they do stuff like that? What is that? Like, I was a kid once. I'm not a I kid. Never, I was never compelled to break stuff. And I don't know what that is. Yeah, I don't know why you break stuff. I don't, I don't get, get that. It. I wanted to watch sports, masturbate, and do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not breaking anything. In which order than that? <laughs> yeah, well, not much much order, but <laughs> what can I tell you? Uh, we're going to talk to Joe Pinion live in studio coming up at 9.05. He, he uh, actually had a big debate against Chuck Schumer last night. Abraham Hunt. At 920, part of a huge Jewish organization, and between Kanye West and that lowlife on the Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving, that's become a major discussion here in the New York area the last couple of weeks. But it was a busy weekend for my main man, Andrew Giuliani. He is, um, he's joined Lee Zeldin. He's kind of like the opening act. You know, I don't know who opens for, um, for YouTube, for example, but you have become Lee Zeldin's opening act, and you couldn't find a better guy, and you did it not once. Not twice, but three times on Saturday. Oh, yeah. We started off in Staten Island. Early voting has begun, so this is the first early voting day on Saturday. Started off in Staten Island at Staten Island Technical High School. Then we went over to Middle Village in Queens with Vicky Palladino and had a spectacular rally. They closed down the street there. And then, of course, Ron DeSantis flies up from Florida. And wow. by the way, Lee Zeldin outspoke Ron DeSantis, I must tell you. You mean, you mean he was actually better? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, but, 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 you, but this wasn't a one-time thing, because you and I have had this discussion before. As much as you're impressed and so am I with Ron DeSantis and his political views, you don't think he's a great public speaker. I, I, think he's, I don't think he's a great rally speaker. And I think you need to understand. And look, this is one of the things that you're amazing at, Sid, right? You understand Thanks. how you can actually bring out the emotions. One of the only things I should say you're amazing <laughs> at right there. And uh, you know, Lou certainly said that to me between the break right there. But just like anything, right, you need to know how to get the range of emotions going. You need to know how to be funny at sometimes you need to know how to drive the rally line right, right. there right? The, right the applause line if you will and you were in the white uh, house with donald trump and nobody was better than him he, amazing amazing right. at it right i mean the incredible showman really knew how to do that understood his audience understood how to get how to get the range of emotions i would even say take a look at trump's rally mix and you have all different kinds of songs one of the things you do great on this station one of the, another one That's i can't believe another I'm one. What, what's again. going on here? enough with the compliments andrew i need to stop <laughs> enough enough this is my internal monologue coming out right now but when you think about all the songs that are going on, right, that's the same thing. He would bring the range of emotion from opera to country to, you know, pop music and the Backstreet Boys and all that. He, he did everything and everyone. Um, but really, uh, the amazing thing about this is you can see the energy all across New York for Lee Zeldin, for Joe Pinion, for Michael Henry. Uh, and this is going to be a very, very close race. I'm urging people. I'm going to be voting. I think I'm going to early vote today. But I'm urging people to go out and vote this week. Early, and I 
Related well, why to is football that? Now, why is that? Why, why is that? Because I look at it as a football game. If we wait until the last 10 minutes of the football game to vote on Election Day, we may, want to, we may think that Election Day voting is best. And trust me, I believe in having as much, in, much integrity in an election as possible. And, and Republicans I think limiting usually, early they, voting is probably a good idea when you think about because it. Because Republicans only a few days, wait till Election Day to vote, right? They, they normally do. Yeah. So think about it. We're down a couple million votes by the time we get to Election Day. Let's say, let's say it's a bad day on, on next Tuesday. Then, all of a sudden, your vote total is going to be down. So if you know that you're voting for Lee Zeldin, go vote in person. Do it today. And then spend that extra time volunteering. By the way, you could have long waits at the polls. Uh, so that's why I'd like to see people get out there this week and go out and vote. I know a lot of times Republicans say, oh, I only vote on Election Day. Julian doesn't know what he's talking about right there. And it's tough as the candidate to make that sell. But I must tell you, I think it's the right thing because you get a beautiful day like today. Get out there and vote, and then spend your time volunteering for us. I like it. Or, or like Democrats do, go vote again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Pen- You're sure. Dead. Sure. Right. I'm voting exactly. for Don Imus today. Um, so you will vote tomorrow. I will vote maybe today. Maybe really? even today. Whenever it is, I'll post it on. You're going to so post it. Right next to uh, our video this morning, right. with, you know, talking about how great a show it's going to be. Yeah. It's going to have my ugly mug there no, voting. You're it's be- Actually, oh, one of my, man, one of my favorite nice. videos I've ever had was with you talking about voting yeah. when you were on 129 yep. in Bell Harbor. And uh, you were out there talking to all the folks. You went to Cali's restaurant. You went to the pharmacy. You had Phil there. You had the kid from Arkansas yep. talking about Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you and I did a video that day because that day, that day was my 30-year anniversary with my beautiful wife, Danielle. Yeah, that's right. And you came out to spend some time with me. Yes, I did. Which, uh, yeah. uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know what 30 years to spend it with she me. She was running. She was running. Uh, don't forget, she's an <laughs> avid true. runner. And it, it is worth uh, saying at that point that this Sunday is a huge day here in New York, one that is important to our family, yep. and that is the New York City Marathon. Now, Danielle's run the marathon five times. She's not running it this year. She's training for Tokyo. And once she runs the Tokyo Marathon in March, she wow. will become one of the less than 1% to get the Abbott Award, which goes to the runners who do the six major marathons. What six are they? New York, Boston, I assume Tokyo. Three. Yeah. Um, London. London. Um, that's four. Is it Paris? I, uh, maybe not Paris. Paris. Ger- she's done Paris. She's done Germany. I should know the answer to this, but I don't. Okay. I, I know we've traveled we'll the world together. We'll check back in. Yeah, we'll check back in. But <laughs> she will get that done. But she is going to volunteer this weekend. Friday should be at the Expo, which is a lot of fun. I buy sneakers there and shirts, and it's a great time at the Javits Center. And Sunday, she'll be an ambassador at the finish line. So when you finish the race, she's there to congratulate you and make sure you don't die. Yeah. But she's not at the <laughs> VIP finish line where folks like Tiki Barber, Ashton Kutcher, where they're running. So even when she's not running, it becomes a big family day, New York City Marathon, coming up on Sunday here in New York. And um, it feels like a marathon, this whole voting season. It does. It's, speaking of the finish line, we're right here. We're right here at the finish line. Tomorrow night, we're having a rally on Staten Island for Lee Zeldin. I know a one Rudy Giuliani will be there. i got to get exactly where it is on Staten Island. That's I just cool. heard we're going on the rock right there. So I normally I go and I give John Tobacco a call and say, hey, tell, right. me, where, tell me where the hell this is going to be. So <laughs> he knows. His girlfriend is running, too, Cara Castronova. Yes, she is. She's yes, running she for an assembly. She's running right? for assembly. I was yeah. out yesterday at a rally where uh, Cara called in because she's out there handing palm cards out. So yeah. she's... Running all over the place, just like all the candidates are at this yeah, time. It's, cool. it's going to be exciting. Pretty to hear. Cool. I'm really looking forward to hear what Joe thought about last night because I know candidates always spin. Well, you did this, but I tell you, as somebody who actually watched it, I have to tell you, he was really 
one of the best debaters that I've seen in wow. this election cycle. That is it truly a, was. That's a big deal. Ringing endorsement from Andrew Giuliani. You're going to hear what he had to say because coming up live in studio in about seven minutes is the aforementioned Joe Pinion, fresh off his debate against Chuck Schumer last night, the fourth and very exciting hour of this morning show with me, Sid Rosenberg, and my good buddy, Andrew Giuliani. About to come your way, only right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC. Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Handshake with Andrew Giuliani. I mean, <laughs> Andrew was like so excited. It's hilarious. I mean, I love Joe Pinion. Don't get me wrong. I love him to pieces. But uh, I get like that when I see like Springsteen or Sid, the one <laughs> Joe thing, Namath. The one thing I'm a little worried about <laughs> yeah. is, you know, he ended up beating Chuck Schumer so, so bad last night. But it yeah. was not in Manhattan. So they have a district attorney up there <laughs> that may actually prosecute him for how bad he beat that him. That could now. happen. You're right. Well, that is Andrew's take that it was an easy and impressive win for Joe Pinion last night, no surprise. That's predictable. The question is, will that play a result in the election coming up eight days from today? And with that said, sitting to my left, the very handsome, debonair, and brilliant Joe Pinion running against Chuck Schumer. So uh, based on Andrew's accounts, mine and many others, congratulations on a big win last night. Look, I think that I, I will take the congratulations, but really we have eight days here to get the word out there that Chuck Schumer's days in power are done. Uh, I said it when I announced on the uh, 14th or the 17th of January when I walked out of that building across the street. Right. I didn't do it for fame. I didn't do it for glory. It was the opposite. And your mother was still mad at you. Uh, she's a little less mad after last night. I'll oh, tell you she, that. Oh, she, oh, she was probably <laughs> so proud of her son. But on a serious note, how do you make sure last night's trouncing, A, A, gets noticed by enough people and B turns into boats next Tuesday. Well, I mean, by uh, 5 p.m. today, we would have emailed it to around 3 million voters across this state. Wow. Uh, we also make sure that we go and do all the radio shows. We've done about five today thus far. We're here with you to let people know if you missed the debate, go listen to it. You'll hear real answers, real solutions for what is plaguing this state. A career politician who has failed to deliver results over 42 years in D.C. and continues to talk about tomorrow. As I've often said, like Annie, tomorrow, tomorrow, our <laughs> solutions are always a day away. And as I said last night, we've got 42 years of yesterday on this stage. If he was going to get the job done, it would already be finished. So this is the moment. Come together as a state. Come together as a nation and say that we are no longer going to embrace those politicians who use the rhetoric of division to keep us divided and then claim that they have the angels on their side. Now, very early on in the debate, maybe even was in the opening statement, Schumer said the Inflation Reduction Act would decrease energy costs in New York 
by 30%. Looking at what's gone up with energy here, it's gone up 50% this year almost in some areas. And thinking about what Con Ed is even setting. So it, basically up until 2030, Joe, does that mean that we're going to have energy prices go up 80% and then it's going to go down 30%? Is that his math? How, how did you take that? I mean, I think I was almost so shell-shocked because we had so much other stuff going on. <laughs> As I got off the stage and said, the man basically said that after 42 years in Congress, he has a 30-year plan to bring down your energy costs. <laughs> uh, but in the middle, middle period there, you're going to have to deal with the fact that your electric bill might go up 300%, 200%, 500% if you live in Westchester. So, look— he does not have a plan for Americans today. He does not have a plan for New Yorkers today. His only currency is political partisan rhetoric that actually leaves New Yorkers worse off than they were when he put his hand in the Bible 42 years ago. Yeah. Now, you did uh, go after him, which I thought was great, on immigration. Yeah. Where he, you know, Much like uh, Eric Adams talks about subway crime, he's used the word perception. Kathy Hochul has said in terms of subway crime, it's all in your head. And you said last night the immigration issue, according to Chuck, is is imaginary. Right. And you said, hey, listen, buddy, it's real. Take a look at what's going on. That was a big moment for you. Well, look, I think we said the truth, that you spent two years convincing New Yorkers that this was just a Republican talking point, and then the mayor of New York City declared a state of emergency uh, to combat the immigration crisis you said didn't exist. So it can't be both at the same time. You have to actually be honest with the people. We are in this mess today because you refuse to secure the border, because you've made a joke of border security, because you have debased the sovereignty of this nation. Nation. And we pay the real price for that. Children being trafficked for sex pay the price for that. People who literally are depending on New York City to deliver resources for them, like the people living in public housing. They're $40 billion behind in repairs. Here comes migrants that need $1 billion worth of resources in order to deal with their plight. So, again, we are not putting Americans first. We are putting Americans in need at the back of the line. And that's not even talking about the 4 million people waiting to come to this country legally who can't get the paperwork process because they're too busy hiring 87,000 IRS agents to come knock on your door, Sid, than they are with actually making sure we have the individuals uh, to make sure uh, that they're in place to keep this nation secure. So last night, as you started off the debate, Sid, I got a little bit worried about what Joe Pinion first came out of his mouth. He said Chuck Schumer is one of the greatest politicians of all time. And I asked, where's he going with this right there? But you tied it in perfect, which is he's a failure as a senator. He's done a great job at having Sunday morning press conferences and making people believe that he cares about New Yorkers, but actually look at his record. Is that the point that you were trying to make to start off the debate and really throughout the debate? Yeah, I think the reality is that what was the down payment on his power? And the answer to that question is the plight of New Yorkers, yeah. the power of New Yorkers, the actual solutions that were needed for New Yorkers. So, yes, he's great at raising money. If that's the metric for what it means to be a senator, he's the best. He is great at making sure that he can have all the press conferences and all the cameras. If that's the metric for what it means to be a senator, he is great. But I don't think that's the measure of a senator. The measure of a senator should be, are the people that place their trust in your hands better off than they were when they sent you there? And by Every measure, not my opinion, just the stats, 
He has failed us. Yeah, no he has question. failed us when yep. it comes to the poverty. He has failed us when it comes to the crime. He has failed us when it comes to the schools that do not teach our children how to read. He has failed us when we look at the fact that law enforcement is more at risk today than they were when he put his hand in the Bible because of the defund police movement he did nothing about. By the way, we didn't talk about the crime. We didn't talk yeah. about the police officers losing their life. That is not what the media wants to talk about. That's not what Chuck Schumer wants that, to talk about. That was shocking <laughs> to me. The crime never came up. And I know that we're talking about a national race rather than a gubernatorial race race or DA's race, but still, it's so it's the number one issue on New Yorkers' minds. The fact that that wouldn't have brought, been brought up last night, I thought was a really big miss and, by Errol Lewis. It's not and just Susan New Arbor. York, it's national too. I mean, Philadelphia, crime-ridden, Chicago, yeah, crime-ridden, Atlanta, Portland, Seattle. That has become the number one issue, Andrew, not just in New York, but yeah. believe it or not, Across That's the country. True. Twelve major cities hit all-time highs for homicide yeah. last there year. This yeah. is not just some type of talking point. Again, that's yeah. real people who are no longer here with us. They're dead, right. and their family members will never be made whole. And the fact is, these individuals do not take the necessary steps to ensure that we don't have more death visited upon families that didn't ask for it, didn't invite it, who have been left vulnerable by the very government that has a sworn obligation to ensure that every single person that calls this nation home is safe and secure in their own home, in their own community. See, I'm just a few days away from doing something I hate doing, and uh, I've only done it once, but I did do it, and that was giving Errol Lewis credit because I really thought that he and uh, what's her name, the lady there? Arbiter. Susan yeah, Arbiter. Uh, in the zeldin Hoko debate, believe it or not, made life much more difficult for the Democrat candidate, Hochul, they brought up play for pay. They brought up uh, the crime issue. Last night, they were back to their old selves. I think they did got you... back to normal. They cut yes. you off a couple times when you were making great points. So did you feel like you were debating three people last night? Uh, look, I, I, I think I took a, a few liberties with the rules, and they, uh, they, <laughs> they, they gave me some, some leeway there. So I'll, I'll, I'll give credit where credit is due. Look, I think I would have liked to talk about many of the issues that I think are crippling this state. We have a, a civil rights crisis uh, in our broad daylight here in New York State. The schools, um, again, we talk about that report. Seventy percent of black students in New York City failed the math exam. Seventy percent, yeah. not 10, not 20, not 30, not 50, 70 percent. That is a level of failure so staggering. It should be on the front page of every newspaper. It should be on the lips of every person who represents this state at every level of government. And yet we didn't even talk about education last night. We didn't talk about the health care crisis. And how is it that we have all these people that have all these opinions on health care, but no real solutions to actually address them? So, yes, I'm disappointed by the fact that there are many issues that are crippling this city that we didn't talk about. But I will say this. I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate that there was at least one network willing to stand up and hold the Senate Majority Leader accountable to say, hey, have the debate. I will say this. Right now, as we stand, there is a standing order offer from uh, the NBC affiliate in Rochester, WHEC, to have a network TV debate. Uh, Chuck Schumer hasn't had one in 18 years. I would say that, look, if he is unwilling to show up, I will come for a town hall. But after last night, there are real questions on real issues. The New Yorkers can't get everything they need answered in one hour. We need more. That's how unaccountable Chuck Schumer and, by the way, Kathy Hochul think they are to New Yorkers, that they think one-hour debate, by the way, between a New York Giants and a Buffalo Bills game when probably less people are going to watch because they're watching football, they're coming in, it's a Sunday, they're getting ready for the week. Uh, He thinks that that's enough to be accountable to New Yorkers. I think that tells you everything you need to know about Chuck Schumer. I think the hard truth is that when you look at Tish James, when you look at Kathy Hochul, when you look at Chuck Schumer, look around the country, go down to Arizona where Carrie Lake can't get her opponent to show up for a debate. They have become so arrogant with yeah. the power 
uh, that they have no problem disrespecting the voters. They do it uh, flagrantly. Yeah. So, yes, I, I think, again, we can't expect them to act differently, but we can demand that the fourth estate that we've given and codified constitutional protections to ensure they have the latitude to hold our leaders accountable, do their job. Yep. And so I think, yep. again, we'd love to have a, a debate right here. If Chuck Schumer would ever accept the invitation, we can come here. We've got a big desk. He should show up. He's right across, he's the, street. Right across the street. Literally. It's, 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 it's a simple walk. Right. So You look. made your way in studio. He can do this. He can do it right across <laughs> the call, street. Please call up. Yeah. No, it's funny. You mentioned Tish James and, of course, Michael Henry. He's running against her. Right. You mentioned Kathy Hochul. Lee Zeldin's running against her. You uh, running against um, uh, Schumer. And it's funny. Whenever I see Lee Zeldin doing all these press conferences and rallies, I always see you and Michael. You've kind of become like this dream team, all three of you, in position to win next Tuesday, which, I don't know, a year ago would have sounded like a complete pipe dream, now becoming a reality you kind of view yourselves as this dream team, you, Henry Zeldin, the whole crew? Look, people forget 1994 election day came. Only 40% of voters even knew who George Pataki was. Uh, he won by about three points. Uh, we also forget that on that same day, a man named Dennis Vaco. Uh, who uh, was uh, also a Colgate guy, he ends up becoming the attorney general of this state. So I believe Lee Zeldin is going to be the next governor of this state. The writing's on the wall. I believe I'm going to be the next United States senator from this state. I believe that Michael Henry is going to be the next attorney general for this state. The momentum is there. But the question is, how bad do you want to change, New York? Are you going to show up like your life and your future depends on it? Because I can assure you, it most certainly does. Well, the big question I have then is uh, when you become the next senator, will you still actually come in to come and see Sid, or will you be Sid who at that point? Very good question. question. Look, I, I plan on being here as often as you will have me. I have a, I, I, I like to remember uh, who was there for me when I needed them there the most. Go. This has been a challenging process, running for U.S. Senate in New York, where the press will quite literally come with camera in hand, film you speaking for 15 minutes, and then pretend that you were never there. That's and right. it happened city to city, from Buffalo to Rochester. We showed up in Buffalo uh, to talk about a mother who was quite literally wearing a bulletproof vest because he was that terrified of what was happening uh, to her family. She died at the hands of a man, her husband, who was arrested two days prior on Please. six different crimes. He mm. was released on a Tuesday. She was dead on a Wednesday. Oh, yeah, there are yeah, three yeah. motherless children. The press didn't talk about it. They, no, didn't, they didn't cover yeah. us. So, again, look, we're excited about today. Lee Zeldin's on the TV right now. There we go. Uh, but, again, we've got to do our part. At the end of the day, uh, we're not going to get any gimmies from the press, and I include the conservative press in that as well. Uh, there is, as I said, an entrenched interest uh, in keeping Chuck Schumer exactly where he is. He's been there for a long time. He's done a lot of people a lot of favors. We're not going to be stopped by favors. We're not going to be stopped by the actual entrenched political power. We're going to be empowered by the people who have had enough. You know, I actually, uh, to your point, I saw Bruce Blakeman at Bernie's Mass on Wednesday. He's the new Nassau County executive. And I said, I got to tell you, man, it's really nice that you showed up here today. And he said, come on, man, Bernie was a great guy, and you got me the win. Absolutely. So he's going to say the same thing, Joe That's Pinion, because right. you are going to win. Uh, congratulations again on last night. We'll do this one more time before next Tuesday. Absolutely. Thank you for coming in. It's great to see you. Always good to see you. And I remind people, if you can hear my voice, 
if you can hear Sid's voice, if you can hear Andrew's voice, and if you can still hear our dear friend Bernie's voice in your head, Chuck Schumer is your senator. You have the opportunity to take this state in a different direction. You have the power to choose your own destiny. Our destiny is better than we have received, and together we're going to write a new chapter for this state and this country. That's awesome. Joe Pinion, folks, there he is running next Tuesday up against Chuck Schumer. Clearly the better of the two candidates. This one's not even close. Some are close. This one, not even close. Joe Pinion. Make sure you, you vote for him come Tuesday. Excellent job, Joe. JoePinion.com, folks. Go get it done. JoePinion.com. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Been an amazing show today, folks. It really has. Rich Lowry, Charles McCord, Joe Pinion, and, of course, my partner in crime today, the great Andrew Giuliani. We'll be back on a Monday right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Happy Halloween. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Spooky song for Halloween. This is a lullaby, I believe, from The Cure, the great band The Cure. Folks, join 77 WABC and Ramsey Mazda as we honor law enforcement officers across the nation. It comes up this Thursday, year number three for us doing this, November the 3rd, my sister Ray Sherry's birthday. We'll have special guests and commentary. 77 WABC and my friends, I love these guys, Arthur and the crew at Ramsey Mazda. Back to blue. It all comes your way this Thursday, November the 3rd, I um, I want to thank Andrew Giuliani, who's done a great job. And still bring Andrew back at least one more day this week. And then again next week, of course, for Election Day. He's always uh, so willing, so helpful, and so great on the air. Uh, Chris Cuomo's upset these days, folks. Bill O'Reilly told me this on Thursday, and I was uh, surprised, not shocked. I love Bill. Bill, Bill can do no wrong in my eyes. He just can't. But he's going to do like a weekly spot now on Chris Cuomo's show. And uh, Bill, of course, says, hey, listen, Sid, 
I used the word we last week, talking about Republicans. He said, don't say we for me. That's not me. I said, fine, I'll say it for myself. I'm a Republican, and that's the end of it. He's like, that's not me. But, of course, an opportunity to get out there and state his mind. And I like it because... You have to imagine that the eight people that watch Chris Cuomo. <laughs> Come on, the, it's 18. So maybe let's, it's 18, let's not right? it. They're all liberals. So <laughs> if Bill O'Reilly can speak to some of these yeah. folks and maybe change one of their minds, that's a win for us. Yeah, I think so I'm okay good, with that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. I don't, right. think, I don't think you should just stay basically in your echo chamber. I think you've got to try to go out there. It's why when I was on the campaign trail, I tried to do as much CNN as possible. I did a couple of hits. They wouldn't invite me back on. No, but that's but smart. That's, right. it's, it's because you want to try to be able to well, get but, that message out there. Well, I was saying this to um, uh, Brian Mullen, who works with uh, Tom Sullivan, my buddy Tom Sullivan. He's running in Queens. Yeah. Yeah, for assembly uh, mm-hmm. uh, next Tuesday, and you know a lot of a lot of you guys, you, not you specifically, but you go back to the neighborhoods where you, you know you're going to win. Right. Like Lee Zeldin, he's going to win Rockaway. Yeah. He's going to win Staten Island. Mm-hmm. So you guys need to go to neighborhoods where you, you may not win and yeah. spend more time there, you would think, right? Well, that's part of the strategy, I think, coming here in the last eight days, right? It's taking a look at who are your best surrogates in these areas. And now Zeldin needs to figure out where he's going to be able to get to. So I talked to the Zeldin campaign a couple weeks ago and said, hey, look, the places where I outperformed you in the primary were in four of the boroughs. So I said, have me live in those four boroughs. What have, was the only borough, borough he won? I'm just curious. He won Manhattan. He won he Manhattan. Won Manhattan. Yeah. He won Manhattan. Yeah. I was able to win the other and you four live boroughs. In Manhattan. I live in Manhattan. So they hate you in your own borough. I'm not sure if my wife <laughs> voted for me. I just don't know. <laughs> Z probably, I not. probably, probably not. not. I probably not. Probably not. She was she was holding on maximum leverage. She wouldn't commit until, until election day, saying that she'd vote for me. And there were definitely some times uh, during the campaign funny. where she was thinking about voting uh, for one of the other. I'm um, so. sure. Uh, <laughs> by the way, Cuomo was also very upset these days. His very first show on this Vacata station, News Nation. Which Dan Abrams is on that station. Nice guy. Decent lawyer, but please. And uh, Ashley Banfield, how yesterday is that? And I like Ashley. So he's on this Fakakta news station. So he does his first show, Chris Cuomo, who had to leave CNN about the same way his brother left, you know, uh, Albany. Embarrassing. And he gets about 150,000 viewers. For television, that's awful. Like I've seen folks on Facebook go, hey, that's a lot of people. Yes, it is. If you had a Michigan-Ohio State game, that's a lot of people. But for a television audience, that is pathetic. Well, that's gone down now to like 120,000, and he's blaming it on the time. Yeah. So now he wants to take Dan Abrams' time at 8 o'clock. He said, Eric Bowling has kicked my ass at Newsmax. He actually mentioned Newsmax. How funny is that? And hell, he, had, he even had Kanye on with all the stuff that Kanye is going through, and it got, got like 129,000 people. Yeah. got nobody. Piers Morgan got nobody. more viewers yeah. than he did for Kanye West. I mean, you would just think alone, looking at Kanye's face, Facebook and Twitter, right? He's talking about 100 million followers. You'd think yeah. if he can get 1% of those followers, that's a million people that's to go right. and watch. That's he right. can't even get that. Now, listen, he's done. Nobody wants to hear it from this guy. Yeah. It doesn't matter if he completely changes... You know, if he lies and now he becomes more of a fraud and, you know, gives more time to Republicans and acts as if he cares. He is what he is. He's been exposed. Once you're exposed, man, it is tough. It is tough to come back. It would be like Kyrie Irving all of a sudden officiating bar mitzvahs. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Uh, The Nets have to get rid of Kyrie Irving. Uh, You know, I, I did not get Macedonia Phil's opinion on this. He is the one guy. Uh, at this station on this radio show. Is he a Metropolitans fan? He is a... Are you a Met fan? I don't even remember. No, Netra, I, I don't I, remember I, I, I No, he likes the Metropolitans, yes. The Nets. He, no, he likes basketball. Yeah. He's like a junkie. He'll watch Nuggets, Spurs, you know. He's last night, he's watching the Lakers and the Nuggets. What are your thoughts? Uh, on a serious note, seriously, Kyrie Irving, the Nets, in my opinion, got to get rid of him. I, they, I don't think they can get rid of him. Why can't they? Because uh, in basketball, money... 
rules the world. Right. And um, Kyrie Irving's making the money. He's a lot he, of money. You can't just like a hundred million. Yeah. Well, I don't. He's beyond like you know as far as revenue goes, it's hard to estimate how much money he's making them exactly. But no. they're supposed to be a good team, and they're on national television all the time. And I mean, they're not selling out tickets anymore, but merchandising they're really high. Uh, it's 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 a business, and you know he's hurting their business a little bit with this, but it's a not little gonna, bit. It's not going to yeah. cripple them. At the end of the day, you know you're going to hear your your classic. Uh, PR written apology. Hold on a second. Hold on. Are, are you defending them? It sounds no. like you're a little bit. No, I'm not defending. Not I'm saying cripple them. I'm saying that the Nets, as a business decision, are not going to get rid of them. Why not? Because it's it's not worth it in the long run. Heshi Organbaum canceled his tickets. Well, then they might they might as well get rid of. Thank them. you. Whatever <laughs> <laughs> minimize Heshi Organbaum. I, if you mentioned that before, I, I I, if I knew that beforehand, I would have. I wouldn't even. That's a lead, lead the story. Yeah, that's a big deal. Heshi, yeah. and he loved the Nets. Yeah. And he's an Orthodox Jewish guy, and he canceled his tickets. Yeah. He's not waiting for a stupid apology because truth is, no matter what Kyrie says now, it doesn't matter. It never does. I, it, it never does. It's one thing like a feeble attempt at humor, like I did with the Williams sisters, and I paid for it. I got fired. I had to write apology letters, and I regret saying that to this day. But that was a feeble attempt at humor. This guy's just hate. He hates. And then this, this idea that if you criticize him, don't dehumanize me because I'm black. Are you nuts? The good thing about this whole situation is, and there aren't many good things, the good thing about it is most people are in uh, unity and condemning Kyrie for his actions. Almost everyone is against what he said yeah. and what he's promoting. So right. that's the good thing. It's not like this is like a cop. Like, there aren't many people defending him, and there shouldn't be because he's in the wrong. Entirely. But I haven't heard like Kevin Durant come out and uh, blast him. Yeah, it, it's, it's hard with, with Julius Randle or LeBron with James. With, uh, as far as like, yeah, other players in the league, sure. But with Kevin Durant, it's a little tough because that's the that's guy fine. He's on his team. But how about somebody else? There should be more people. What about all the Jewish players in the NBA? There aren't many. Wow. Is that why the owner went out there, you think? So that way the owner basically could say, hey, look, this is the guy who owns the team. This is the guy. And he, he made the statement, the blanket statement right there. So that way they get the attention off the other players. So maybe players won't have to answer this question. You know they're going to be getting in the locker room maybe. every single day. They're gonna, in New York, they're going to be getting that Especially question Especially if they continue to day. lose. I mean, if they, yeah. if they, here's what's pathetic. If they win, no one's going to care that he's exactly. an anti-Semite. That's pathetic, but it's true. Winning but if they keep everything. losing... And they're one in five. Only the Orlando Magic have a worse record in the Eastern Conference, and the Nets could match Orlando at one in six if the lousy Pacers beat them in Brooklyn tonight. If they start to win, no one's going to care. Wow, that's pathetic, yeah. Andrew. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah. Well, it's, you you see it too. Like someone, um, I mean, it's not on the same level, but a player a couple years ago, Myers Leonard. I don't know if you remember this. Miami Heat, exactly. He did yes. the same thing. He, but well, he, he got said, cut, didn't he? He said it. Yeah, but he said like an anti-Semitic slur, which you know he said he said the unsale uh, un sayable word uh he said that on a live stream while he was playing video games and he was yeah. cut and he's never been back in the league right but again but he was a he, scrub he wasn't that good of a player right Kyrie Irving is Kyrie Irving so as much as it sucks and unfair it is better players get different no treatment. there's no question so you're telling me that Pat Riley who's the president of the Heat a Heat's guy that I guess cuts Myers Leonard him yeah. and the Jewish owner Mickey's Jewish who owns the Miami Heat you know that yeah um, they would uh, not do anything here either because Kyrie's got money coming to him, and, and really contractually, there's nothing they can do. They would figure out a way to. I mean, Pat Riley's a genius. He, he's he's been in this organization for so long and knows yeah. everything. He would find a way to spin it to to make it work. But and he it, would, at the very least, demonize Kyrie a little. Yeah, yeah. Bit, I, 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 think, right? I think he would be. A lot and he's more a liberal, stern. by the way, Riley, a big liberal. Is he really? Springsteen, oh, I didn't know that. oh, big big time. I think really? he would punish him. Springsteen fan, liberal. 
out of uh, what is that place? Schenectady, New York. He is Schenectady. Yes, he is. The right. whole NBA is liberal, though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> da- David Silver is Jewish. Yeah. He's a commissioner. Right. He couldn't care less. No. Yeah. He couldn't care less. What root- an embarrassment David Silver is. Who could root for that Adam team Silver. anyway? They're so unlikable. The Nets is not yes. one likable player, what not one. The Durant's a jerk off. Uh, Kyrie's an anti Semite. And who, uh, Ben Simmons, Ben's, who cares? He can't, he can't play, so he's right. useless. I like Joe Harris. Joe Harris is good. He's a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. <laughs> Santana. When I hear this song, I want to make love for Macedonia, Phil, but I don't think he's in. You went, Phil? That may be why he left. <laughs> with this song play, I'm all right with that. Andrew Giuliani is uh, in with me today, and he's been, um, him and Peter King are my go-to guys, and so Bernie got sick and and now um, has passed away, but again, we are live from the Bernard McGurk Studios, and I promise his daughter Melissa and his son Brendan and his wife Carol that I would do a bunch of events every year, and I mean it, uh, a running event, uh, some type of, uh, like a marathon, in, in a, a short one in Long Beach, a cancer event, whatever it is. We're going to do a bunch of stuff together to keep his memory alive. But when he got sick, I needed a couple of guys I can turn to, and uh, you two have been uh, great. You, you've you been here more than anybody. You've been fantastic. This is, um, I believe this is your future uh, until, and I've said this a lot, you know that, I said it on stage at the America First Warehouse, right in front of Joe the Box. I really honestly believe, I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass, you will be president of the United States one day. Well, maybe president of a condo board, but i got to find <laughs> no, right no. condo. No, you you're going to be president of the United <laughs> States. I'm telling you, bro. Well, I'm You've t- got all the qualities you need. You've got them. Well, on the campaign trail, it was extremely humbling to see how many people were out there supporting the message. It's, I mean, that's how Zeldin, that's how Joe has to feel right now. Uh, because as you get down to the final days here, yeah. uh, it is just nonstop. It's 24-7. You're always going on the campaign trail. It's always 16 to 18-hour days, and, and you're, you're never off. But when you get down to the final stretch and the final week, you know you were with yeah. me a couple days before Election Day. Yeah. For a yeah. Four days before, actually. Four days before. Yeah. Um, so they're just going to not be nonstop. I mean, think about this. Joe was in Albany last night. 8 o'clock the debate end. He's probably up there a couple more hours greeting supporters doing this. And he's in studio with us at mm. 9 a.m. this morning. Yeah. And he said he did another five radio shows this morning. No, he's tireless. He's yeah. another one of those guys that is uh, tireless. You know, we talked a lot about sports this morning, too. Mostly politics, obviously. But this Kyrie Irving story, which is really less about sports. I mean, the yeah. Nets are one and five and more about one of the major issues in this city. And that is anti-Semitism. Yeah. Jewish people get attacked day in and day out. It's not white supremacists. Most of the time, it's a black person. And now we've seen Kanye West and Kyrie Irving the last couple of weeks go after the Jews. Uh, Stephen A. Smith is a guy that I go back and forth on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bernie liked him, but like a lot of people, I turned Bernie against him a little. Like I did with Eric Adams. (laughs) Bernie liked Eric Adams, and he didn't like him. Um, Because I, I, I keep pointing out when Stephen A. Smith says something... That is racist, and he has said those things in the past. You know, sometimes when when an African-American person, for example, goes out of their way 
to defend another African-American person because they're black. That's racist. Like, if I went out of the way and said, look, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, he really did rape those, he raped those girls, but it's okay because he's white. I mean, what, what is that? Well, it's, it's, right, it goes back to the content of the character and not the color of the skin. To exactly. King, right? I mean, it's, it's what people say and what they do, not who they are, their right. background. Is, right. right? And, and that's where I think uh, so many times we get in there with identity, uh, with identity politics. And that's one of the sad things to see infecting sports because that's the one place where I would love to go to just say, you know what? I just want to see how the Giants did, the Jets did. I want well, to enjoy this. Was. Forget about it. That's you know? how it was. But it wasn't. When you were back at the fan, you know, 15 years ago, that wasn't the case at the time. I know it's a little different on IMIS because you guys did end up, no, no. Uh, end up crossing over. But when you were ultimately doing the sports shows, you guys weren't talking about the politics Oh, God, of the day. never, never. I mean, let's, let's you know, Gail Sayers, Brian Piccolo, black guy, white guy, got along great. Yeah. I mean, we, we never, I, I can't even remember a story where politics and sports cross. Now that's all it does. Yeah. That's it. And a lot of it happens to be the NBA. Well, Stephen A. Smith is a sports analyst mm-hmm. and a opinion guy, and he's great on TV. I'll be the first to say it. He's great. He yells and he screams and he's funny. And him and Christopher Russo do great bits every single week. And he knows his stuff. He knows his stuff. He does that, uh, that dumb show with Max Kellerman. Max is gone. What is that called? First take? Yeah, that's a stupid take. show. They sit there and argue about the, 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 the dumbest, you know, the dumbest things. Yeah. But, but people watch it. God bless him. And <laughs> he makes a lot of money. Last I heard, Stephen A. Smith was making somewhere between 8 and $10 million Man. a year. Andrew Giuliani, would you say that's a lot of money? I would say that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would certainly right? say that. To sit there and argue I, about whether or not, uh, you know, Tom Brady is washed up or not. And look, he's, there's no doubt he's talented. Whatever you think about Stephen A. Smith, he is a talent. Yes. And people watch him because they either love him or they hate him. But yeah. it's tough to feel indifferent about him. Uh, but, I mean, it seems like he's paid pretty well. He's making 8 to $10 million bucks. That's what he's making. Yeah. And, and he's yeah, complaining about it. He's complaining about it. That's yeah. right. Well. And the reason why he's complaining is what makes me nauseous every single day. Lewis, Stephen A. Smith, cut number four. We are still black in this country. We don't trust this country in terms of meritocracy always. We know... The bottom line is, is that just like women are underpaid compared to male counterparts, blacks are underpaid compared to white counterparts. And so when you look at it from that perspective, and of course, I have people look at me, I'm not talking about me, even though I got news for you. I am underpaid compared to some people on television and what they get paid, but that's a subject for another day. I ain't apologizing for that to a damn So I am underpaid. Having said all of that, it ain't about me. You just made it about you, my friend. You can say ten times it's not about me, but you said, quote, I'm underpaid three times yeah. in a 26-second cut. And even I've said stuff like that. I'm underpaid. I'm white. Uh, but I feel like I'm underpaid. I'm, you know, I'm, I make a very nice living. A very nice living. Well, Kyrie, I am underpaid. Kyrie thinks because you're Jewish. Right. And I, that's why. Exactly. <laughs> this guy's making $10 million a year. Yeah. $10 million. And he's underpaid, and he's claiming he's underpaid I wonder who because he is, he's black. I wonder who the ESPN's getting paid more. Maybe Scott Van who? Pelt? I no can't imagine. Way. I can't no, imagine. No, no way. No I can't way. imagine. You don't think so? No chance. So you think he's the top paid I, I know for earner. a fact that he is. He is. Well, then. Is that not right, Bill? Well, I, I know for reference, his uh, counterpart, Max Kellerman, was making $1 million a year. $1 million. Well, Right. So he's making eight to eight eight of, of what I, I can't think of that. I mean, I, you know, the sports center anchors, Linda Cohen, Steve Levy, they don't make a ton of money. Right. A lot of those guys do play-by-play on top of it. They don't make a ton of money. I promise you that Desmond Howard and Kirk Herbstreet, they're not making $5 million. This guy is 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 the highest paid, I got to think, by far. I think so who's he talking about? I think even above 
called ESPN. He might be the highest paid analyst across any sport. You think Michael Strahan makes ten million dollars on Fox or Bradshaw? It's either him or, or like Skip, because Skip does his thing in Fox. Well, he makes a lot of money. Both those no, guys, Skip makes seven million, I think. So it's it's probably Skip, Skip uh, you know, I, Bayless. I can't believe you mentioned Michael Strahan with now your love with Kelly Ripa. Now I can't believe it. I can't believe you even mentioned him. I can't That's true. That no, she's my girl now. Screw Michael Strahan. So there you have it, folks. Stephen A. Smith claims he's underpaid because he's black. And he's making somewhere between eight and ten million dollars a year. I don't know, Drew. Don't shocking, know. but uh, nothing shocking anymore. You're right about that. Nothing, nothing shocking. shocking. I love your sneakers. I just saw those. Thank you. Your whole much. outfit is very cute. Oh, thank you. Argyle sweater, slacks. You got like red, white, and blue socks. Yeah. Red, white, and blue sneakers. I'm trying to figure out what to be for Halloween. I still don't know. I'm going to be Lou Rufino for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. You got the red and, hair. And we're coming to your house tonight. Right. Red hair. Wear like a rock and roll t-shirt. <laughs> bring the eggs. Yeah, bring yeah. the eggs. <laughs> are you, are you right. going to uh, trick-or-treat with Grace? I will. I will. You are. Absolutely. Cute. She's a little pumpkin. I can't wait. Ah, that is cute. Is he uh, <laughs> trick-or-treating too? Your wife? Yeah, we're going to go on out there. We'll take her uh, door to door. We don't awesome. have a costume, you know. We're right, just going to take right. her out. That's but, you great. Know, that's okay. Good for you. We will come back and uh, close shop. It's been a great Monday show. Andrew Giuliani and me, Sid Rosenberg, right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Don't turn your back on me, baby. Yes, don't turn your back on me, baby. Ernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, folks. That was a uh, a lot of fun today. Great show. Go out there and enjoy Halloween. Don't be stupid. There's no reason to, to, to destroy things and um, mess up people's homes and mailboxes. And just go out fun. Just... Take the kids out and go trick-or-treating. If you're an adult, stop acting like an idiot. He's talking, talking, to, he's talking to you, Lou. Well, as, Lou doesn't do that. As he's always. Talking. Lou actually is, uh, no, yeah, he doesn't like the whole adult Halloween I thing. He's like me. Ridiculous. Stupid. God, <laughs> grow up. Give me a damn candy bar and go away. That's it. That's it. Dress up as like Pebbles and Bam Bam. You're 50 years old. Look at <laughs> moron. Hey, look, I'm the queen. Go to your neighbor's house and do cocaine and bang your uh, the lady down the block. I mean, stop already. Jeez. <laughs> Trick or treat. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you were great again today. Great. Thank you for coming in. I'm just holding on to the tales of a legend no, right here. here. <laughs> you were great. I mean, really great. Andrew Giuliani, folks. He'll be back again this week and next before Election me. Day. Lou hates me. <laughs> Lou Rapino, you were great, too. Macedonia Phil. Justin Ellick playing under the weather today after getting hammered. Not like Paul Pelosi. Hammered at the Eagles game yesterday. He did a good job today. Uh, Frankie Diaz, um, you won the MVP today. Uh, Deb Valentine was great, too. The whole crew. We'll all be back again tomorrow morning. At 6 a.m., like I said, enjoy your Halloween Monday from all of us to all of you. Until then, good night, Bernard.